Welcome to Sparks and Recreation, your source for info on community events, meta-analysis, and everything Hero Realms. Part of the Realms Rising Network. Heroes of the Realms, welcome back. That's right, we're back to episode 36 of Sparks and Recreation. You're usually bi-weekly, but this time tri-weekly. Podcast about one of your favorite games, Hero Realms. I'm one of your hosts, Matthew Chiglin-Limpa Rooks. Working my way through the hot uh, summer days, one foot in front of the other, trying to get through uh, work and make my way to summer vacation. And then also put out a podcast for the uh, the Thandarians out there. I am joined today. We're running a we're running a skeleton crew, but it's going to be a good crew, guys. It's me and Chris Double Dubs Wahlberg here, the solo artiste himself. How are we doing today, amigo? I'm on a roll. It's time to go solo. Hey, hey, hey! I am doing good, man. It's fun to be here with you ready to record the pod say uh aren't you like you basically made it to your summer break like are you there no. you're on the precipice no how much more time do you got i, I have one more week of classes this week oh and then okay I am, uh then i'll be in summer vacation mode now summer vacation mode means i won't have classes and meetings to attend to well that's not true I'll have meetings, but <laughs> yeah, you got uh, some work uh, still. I'm going to, but... yeah, I'm going to go back to the States for a couple of weeks with, with my kids for, uh, for summer vacation, which is going to be fantastic. So looking forward to that, but you have to pay the price and, you know, getting all your work done beforehand. So that's right. Not all so, of it because I'll still have work to do. But you, you know, as, as a professor of the ocean, I want to <laughs> get your take on something here, which is the, uh, the Titan submersible, man. And I'm not fishing oh. for memes or jokes or anything mm-hmm. like that. But like, what, what's your thoughts on what went down there? Okay. First of all, I'm a linguist. So my, <laughs> what? my opinion I thought you were my an ocean professor. Really <laughs> Now oh, I was man. I will say I was captivated by the story, you know, because you hear, you know, updates of the uh, the navy sonars picking up tapping noises and that could be them and maybe they've got twenty hours of oxygen left and you know there's a time it's basically like a, a timer going down with how much oxygen it's pretty gruesome, you know, it typical yeah. Yeah. You know, dra- dra- dramatization. Although it's pretty dramatic. I mean it's a pretty crazy story. Uh, let's not spend too much of our intro getting uh, imploded by right. the story, but uh, yeah, a nice, nice bird walking there, buddy. Uh, <laughs> Hat tip to Warden Slayer, one of our favorite uh, bird walkers, <clears throat> which, to, which yep. means by the way, uh, to kind of meander from one topic to another with ease, but you know, maybe not much focus kind of like we're doing right now in our intro. <laughs> All right. Well, I, all right. I appreciate you, uh, you know, humoring me with your expert opinion there, and uh, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a good episode here. We have our contest, our giveaway of a legend account. Are we gonna do that today, Jig? Is that, We're is that gonna happening? We're gonna do it right now. All right. So what we do is we we have a list. All right, um, and we have it. We have everything calculated out. Um, we basically said we're going to grant uh, the people who entered into the contest one uh, entry for answering the survey. 
another one for uh, leaving a review, and another one for joining Hero Helper. So you could get the three possible uh, entries for this. We've calculated everything that out. We have a uh, we've got numbers assigned to everybody. And what I'm going to do is just roll here. I'm going to um, load up a random roller here. Um, press the button, and then whatever number it lands on here is the person that we're going to choose. Okay, here it is. Let's go. Let's this is see. exciting. Got to get a drum roll in here. Okay, the winner is Greg Moga. G R E G M O G A. Congratulations to you. You have won yourself a Legends account. Uh, we will contact you. Uh, by the email you provided in the survey. And also, this is an uh, announcement to everyone who is very um, disappointed with the results right now. If there is no response from Greg Moga within, let's give him one business week. We'll, get, or we'll give him seven days. That's not a business week. That's five business days plus two <laughs> extra days. <laughs> to respond. And if he doesn't, we will redraw uh, the winner for the legend account guys but for now congratulations to greg moga and thank you to everybody for uh entering and participating in our first ever uh giveaway like this we'll probably do more stuff like this in the future may not always be a legend account uh but we will have some <laughs> right. stuff in store okay <laughs> i mean that's a big deal man uh um but we'd like to get back to this and we thought this would be a fun way to celebrate kind of all the uh, developments that are happening with that. So thanks again for participating and hope you enjoyed the Hero Realms Digital Legends account contest giveaway. That's that oh. Okay. Um, <laughs> let's keep them rolling here. Uh, this is this is a great intro. It's one of our best ever. Uh, we're going <laughs> to keep it going. Uh, as always, we got to just give a quick shout out to our patrons and donors. Uh, I'm not going to go through the full list. You know who you are. Thank you so much for your help. If you are interested in helping us keep the lights running, keep the gas gasoline pumping um, for those gasoline parties we like to have every once in a while. <laughs> um, it's expensive and it, it, your, your support. It is. They're check not out getting the, cheaper. <laughs> check out the detail. No, it's not. You know, it's uh, yeah. gasoline parties. They're a luxury, you know, but what? You know, <laughs> uh, check, out, check out the details and, and the links oh uh, to help us out. Uh, thanks, everybody, for your help. Uh, all right, Double Doves. We're almost at the end of the intro here. And we've, it, hey, at least we haven't um, used any expletives so far. Yeah. So that's one thing. Yeah. We're doing great. So for an overview on the episode today, we've got What Would You Do submitted by I feel like I should butcher the name again, even though I've been enlightened as to how to pronounce it. A awesome ass. No, it is as awesome as uh, has submitted the what would you do? So we'll be going over that. We've also got a looking for lethal from Noodle Tulpa that I'm excited to go through. Our kind of main focus is going to be Age of Ancestries, where we talk about the impact that Ancestry, which has been added to the app, uh, has been having and what, what we think it might be uh, looking like in the future. We also have a Lua breakdown. There's been some really interesting action going on in the world of custom scripting and mods to the game. We've got a card duel, uh, a face-off between two cards. We've got a community roundup, and at the very end, we're going to be introducing a little outro segment 
tap or scrap. So be sure to stay tuned until the very end so you can check out our newest segment. And without further ado, let's jump into the episode. What would you say you do here? All right. What would you do? Submitted by as awesome as if you would like to submit a what would you do scenario for the podcast, please reach out to one of us on Discord. Uh, make sure to send us all the screenshots. We want as much information as possible. The complete board state, including both your deck, your discard, your enemy deck, their discard, and the information screen that pops up when you um, hit for more information so we can see what level and turn it is. Uh, if you are looking for screenshots for this one, they're going to be on the Discord and on realmsrising.com with a link in the show notes. Um, and there's a channel on the server for discussing the scenarios. So let's go ahead. One, I just want to jump in here. There was a comment uh, in the um, survey responses for the contest from a listener who said they were more of a casual player and they weren't quite as well-versed with all of the cards yet. So when we were giving card names in the um, what would you do section, they were kind of lost and not, it wasn't very helpful to them. I totally get it, right? This is probably more for intermediate players or stu- players who are versed enough with the cards to know them by name. That said, if you're listening to this, you can look at the uh, screenshots. You don't have to do it in real time while you're listening to us, but you can look at the screenshots that we provide uh, and you can actually see what the cards do. The, the Im- images are big enough that they everything is basically self-explanatory just by looking at the screenshot. So um, right. either try to call it up on your phone and just kind of zoom it in, or if you have a tablet or a computer, uh, definitely worth checking it out. It's a good way to kind of look at your decision-making and evaluating process. So even for new players, it's a really good exercise. It takes a little more effort, but um, that's how you get better at the game. All right. That's my two. Fantastic. Thanks for throwing that in there. So it is turn one. We're in a thief mirror of level five thieves. So we're not uh, very far up our character progression yet. We uh, are taking our turns. We have a three card hand of ruby gold and keen throwing knife so that's the one upgrade we've made our opponent has made that same upgrade as well we've upgraded our skill um to get us a little econ when we use it as our opponent has done as well but the real interesting thing here is the row that's what this one is going to be focusing on so first up we see raiding party then close ranks intimidation spark and the rot this is really quite an excellent combination of actions to see on the row here and in a thief mirror where you're greedy for stacking up those discards we've got two discard effects on the row and we know how good early scrap is so there's a lot to dig in here let's go ahead and see what the discord came up with first so that we can kind of break that down so um the first thing we had was from Filtrophobe. Thank you for chiming in, Filtrophobe. I think this is a debate between the two best cards you can reliably buy on turn one between Rot and Raiding Party. With Spark on the row and lots of cheap damage cards, I'm leaning to buy Raiding Party because if the enemy thief starts stacking discards and cheap damage spells, the game could go too quick for Rot to win you the game. 
if we lived in an alternate universe where there was a market row that wasn't stacked with cheap aggro, I'd purchase the rot to try to get to and win the late game. And then regardless of whichever card we buy, I'm going to try to steal the other card. Then we have uh, so a, a very reasonable take there. Meowgan chiming in. Raiding party now. Try to steal the rot later. It's only level five, so no mask, belt, or blackjack. So scrap is going to be a priority. But I think raiding party is still a good turn one. And then last, uh, we have Zembu chiming in. He likes the raiding party because it has econ damage and discard. If the opponent gets two of the other cards, probably the Rotten Spark, and then you buy uh, close ranks intimidation or whatever flips, um, then the game kind of becomes, you know, who will have their good cards exposed in a discard pile for the other one to steal first. So I, I, I agree with that analysis, and I like what he's got going on there. So I'll take a pause there. Jig, Let's uh, can we turn it over to you and tell me what you would do on this board and what your thoughts are? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to argue against the consensus here um, because Raiding Party really is a... It's one of the best cards you can see uh, first turn, especially if you're a thief. I mean, that's just a... It's giving you everything you need. It's giving you Econ for your ability. It's giving you some damage, and it's making the opponent discard. Those are the three things you want to do as a thief to win the game. Right. Uh, So, I mean... um, if now, if this was a higher level thief where you could do some smooth heist or uh, other types of uh, heisting hijinks, you could figure out how to try to get the spark or maybe even the rod or try to you know, do something else. Oh, yeah, you'd clean up if you had smooth heist yeah. here, <laughs> it would be bad for the yeah, opponent. But, <laughs> but this is just uh, what, what is this called? Pilfer, you know, I always screw up the names on these. Is this the pilfer ability or uh. You're not you pilfering. Steal. You do have the ability to steal from the discard. I think it's just called heist, but I'll oh, check heist. It. Okay, heist. Yeah. So you steal from your opponent's discard, and then depending on what level it's at, you can also get like a three cost card from the uh, from the row. I believe is that right? Right. But this is just the one if you just steal from their discard. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So unfortunately, there is no way to get two cards here unless you want to just get a t- intimidation and spark. Or use spark and then use your ability for some reason, which wouldn't be very right. smart. Um, right. All right. So you can hear me just trying to think through the different <laughs> possibilities here and not really liking any of them. I mean, you can always argue for going, getting the first um, scrap or sacrifice card in the game. Uh, however, if you do that here, your opponent is going to get spark and probably raiding party on their first turn, which would be right disastrous. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, you really have no choice. Unfortunately, I think you have yeah. to do. I think you really have to go with raiding party here, man. Do you see any other way around this besides raiding party? Not really. No, I'm trying to like wonder if like is there anything that helps you be less heistable by taking the rot? Does taking the rot like because you scrap down a little more help you not be stolen from as as likely? I I don't really think so. But um, maybe we can kind of tweak this a little bit. Um, what if instead of Spark on the row there, it was Elven Curse? And then that's kind of a comparison between Raiding Party and Elven Curse. Would you take Raiding no. Party in that situation? Yeah. yeah. Uh, because, because of the Econ, right? Yeah, because of the Econ and the first turn of the game. Even if it ends up getting stolen from you later, you, you should be able to use it at least once and get the Econ from it to help you buy something else. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I really even with curse out there, and 
by the way, I'm a huge, I, I would actually evaluate both curse and rating party um, around the same uh, valuation. At, however, an early game rating party. Turn one seems like the exact spot you want rating party, though. All right, let me yeah. add another wrinkle to this to see. This is a separate change uh, and see how this would affect you at all. What if instead of this uh, keen throwing knife, we had a gold? So we have four to spend. Are you stacking up on discard effects or is that enough to get you to go the rot plus spark? No, you get spark and rating party. <laughs> okay, so there's no way. There's no way I can get you to buy more, this rot, Jake. That's even more more for sure, right? Because then even if one of them gets stolen from you, at least you still have the other one, right? Uh, yeah. Now, if okay, let's do what if we had <laughs> <You got one? laughs> Okay. What if we had f- 6 Whoa. Which I think is possible if it's your if your second player, right? Uh, well, yeah. Anyway, yeah. That, not, and now we're just getting into kind of strange. We, there's no <laughs> end to the different what ifs. Uh, sure. But I think I think you know this exercise has been fruitful because it it helps you realize just how damn good raiding party is uh, in the early game, especially That's for true. the thief. Especially for the thief. Now, I'd say for wizard, I'd probably, um, depending if I was going to get aggroed, I'd get close ranks actually. Almost yeah. any other situation. Oh, yeah, it may be a, a druid and a wizard might go for close ranks. Okay. Early game. Everybody else might go for raiding party anyway. Yeah, this early in the mm-hmm. game. And close ranks is yeah. one of my favorite cards in the game. Um, but yeah, raiding party is just that good. Turn one. Well, the community certainly voted that way as well in a massive, uh, unanimous expression of their voting <laughs> in the discord so yeah it's um, where it happens yeah. that that um that heavily but i can kind of understand why but still it's still a good thought experiment to go through so thank you to well, let's uh, it is awesome as as a awesome us for your, <laughs> uh, for your submission there do we want to chat about what uh what he did for this one yeah yeah so i i, I can read through that so basically okay. what um what is awesomeness mm-hmm. did which took the raiding party uh, because they knew bad things would happen if they didn't. Um, he took Spark and the Rot on his turn, his opponent. Uh, then he got close ranks and intimidation on his following turn. So that's quite a start. Raiding party, close ranks, and intimidation. Now, they're not going to combo off each other faction-wise, but they're cards that are so good you don't really need them to. They don't need to faction yeah. to do anything. And they're and, synergistic and actually, in the sense that they're all focused on damage. You yeah, know, Yeah, exactly. Um, he kept gathering damaging cards and then he got crime spree on turn nine, uh, turn 13, top decked Mobia. Uh, and I'm assuming, yeah, he won it by turn 21. So, uh, there you go. He, yeah, blew right. Crime spree coming in the clutch there. Shout out to Logan, the crime spree advocate. (laughs) Such a great card. It really is a great, it's, it's one of the more fun cards in the game. Good yeah, stuff. and it has so much going on. It can really open things up for you, you know, with the way that Indeed. it interacts. So Indeed. I like that one. All right, uh, we're going to keep moving here. Now, we have actually two special segments attached onto what would you do this time. All right, I'm going to do really quickly another <laughs> introductory special inaugural <laughs> mini segment called What Would Jig Do? This is where <laughs> we're just going to take a few moments to highlight a few fun 
hero names that we come across in the wild. All right. Yeah, humor me on this. It's not going to be every episode, but uh, for the, in the inaugural one, we're going to do a few ones. Uh, we had Warden Slayer chime in with one of his new one, uh, new, I think this is an orc fighter. It could yeah. be an or- ogre. I think it's an orc though. Uh, that is named Azula Always Lies, which is a, which is a fun one. Um, I submitted a few of my own here. Anthony Chopkins is one that I'm personally pretty, pretty <laughs> proud of. Uh, we have lots of uh, Kardashian spinoffs. We have Grim Kardashian from Bird Law. Zembu had Chloe and Kim Kandarian, which I think is from. I forget. What Evil Dead. From. Evil Dead. Thank you. I, I should know. Yeah. That too. yeah. Um, then I've got then we've got Kate Skinslet. <laughs> and, and spark twain to, nice. to more of my creations now these are all great so far but the the contest the the jig award of the week goes to from in my opinion goes to arcanel for his cleric which he just so aptly named clerical hera clerical like hera. error clear yeah. which is a which is a playoff clerical error just awesome stuff man um, and, and hopefully he'll make lots of errors in that game while playing me so I can win it. Um, finally, Arcanel submitted a Arcanel, few more. Yep, yep. He said this could get him banned from the game, but he's going to do it anyway. He's making fun of the game designer, guys. Rob Dorkerty instead of Dorley. <laughs> he's using an orc, not a dork, but like an orc. He's kind of uh, calling him a dork. It's risky business. Yeah, it's a double. It's he's he's doing. It's a double edged. It's a double edged sword here. And I love both. I love both of those edges, buddy. Nicely done. And then we've got Dwarfen Castle. Uh, of course, this Beautiful. is for Darwin Castle. Uh, but Dwarfen is great. Uh, Arcanel, as always, uh, supplying supplying the fire. Then. Good stuff. Um, let's keep. Yeah, let's keep them rolling, dubs. Welcome to everybody's favorite new game show, Looking for Lethal. That's right, we give you a scenario set up where there is a very intricate way for you to find Lethal, and it is your job to find it within 60 seconds. Can you do it? Let's find out. So up next, we've got a Looking for Lethal. This is from back in the day, so this is one of those... Things that had unfortunately got rolled from one episode to the next. So we wanted to cover this one a while ago. So apologies, Noodle, for not getting this on the pod sooner. It's uh, it's a little dated, in fact, as now uh, the druid that is involved here uh, doesn't work like it does now anymore. Things are a little different for the druid these days, but that is not the subject here. But as uh, perhaps an ode to the druid, we will take a peek at this looking for lethal. This was a game. Um, I think this was maybe like one of the quick fire tournaments. This was some sort of like competitive event between noodle and myself. So he was on mm-hmm. Druid and then I was on alchemist. Mm-hmm. Um, and he had no cards in his deck. Why don't you, uh, take a second jig to take a look and see if you can find lethal on this board. Okay. So he is a Druid here. He's got the owl out already ready to draw and discard for him. He's got a hedgehog in hand, which we can ignore. He's got a uh, the vampire who will give him two damage. He gets got draw from his staff. He's got the uh, pack dragon in there, which is going to give him a draw. Most importantly, and this is going to be key, is the uh, Mariadoc, the minstrel, who can stand another um, champion again after 
um, as, as part of its uh, ability, which is amazing. Looking at the discard, I also see, oh, hey, it's Minstrel's Melody, guys. That's right. The <laughs> Imperial card that you that gives three gold, four attack, I think five health, is that? Yeah. Yep. And most importantly, you can sacrifice the card to stand all of your champions. Okay. So here's, and I'm not going to go into too much detail because it depends on what's going to draw once, once you start playing everything because you're going to get lots of draws here. You're going to get draw from the owl. You're going to get a draw from the dragon. You're going to get a draw from your staff. <clears throat> At least that's three draws, right? The first draw is going to help you get uh, melodies or Mistral's melody, which will just keep the draw chain going. And who knows what you get after that. But basically you want to get as many champions as you can out and then um, choose how you want to use uh, Myriadoc. And then after that, you're going to use um, Minstrel's Melody, stand everything again, everything will go off again. And then you'll actually get, oh, you won't get um, uh, Myriadoc again. That's only, he only gives that ability once. But basically you're going to get <clears throat> one champion is going to attack, I think, four times uh, and the rest twice which should definitely be enough to do 39 damage would be my guess. That's, that's, totally. that's yep. how I would do it. Yeah. So the, the big thing here, and you've also got your skill, which can chip in for some damage and stuff like that. So yeah, oh, the yeah, damage yeah. is there for sure. The, the thing that happened in this game was uh, noodle was playing for the long game a little bit more. So he grabbed the Gorgar, the demon out of the discard there. Thing mm. is his name, and then he scrapped out a gold, which normally that's like a totally you know fine play to make, and then you could even prepare him and scrap out again. But um, when you've got that minstrel's melody in the discard pile there and can go off with it, um, it's something worth doing. So really, the lesson here is to be looking for lethal. You know what I mean? Like have that on your radar. That like in this situation, like is it great value to play for the late game and get double scrap yeah, off of your it. demon yeah, there? Right You're just just the dragon alone is going to get do twenty points of damage for you. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, like I just, even if you only draw gold cards after this, if you don't draw even another, uh, it, it's going to be, you might end up getting close anyway. Uh, right. And then you yeah. use your skill too and stuff. So yeah, yeah you do need to draw into a little bit, I think maybe, but overall, uh, yeah, that is this segment of looking for lethal looking for lethal. All right, everyone, welcome to one of our main topics for today, the Ancestry Almanac that we are opening up here to discuss as the age of ancestries is now upon us. So what are they <laughs> like? We talked a lot about, uh, you know, or we've alluded to them quite a bit. So, you know, in Hero Realms, we know that you can play the vanilla game with no hero or no like character classes or anything like that. But you can also mix in fighter or you can be a thief or you can be a wizard and that gives you a unique starting deck well the ancestries are a way of further modifying your starting deck and they're supposing that you are one of a number of uh, mythical races rather than just being human so now like your default the classes we've been playing up until now have all been humans but now you could be a dwarf fighter 
or a uh, ogre fighter and all these different things. So they uh, usually they're about like four cards that modify the starting deck and they can apply to any of the classes. So that's kind of, uh, I think, the general overview. Jake, do you have anything to add to that? Okay, so when you say four cards, what this is interesting because it can be a combination of different things. They might be cards that are added to your starting deck. They might be cards that replace a gold in your starting deck. They might even be a new skill, a repeatable skill that you can use, which is obviously probably one of the most valuable, if not the most valuable. So or in the app, a, that wouldn't feel like a card, really. But if in right, physical, it is a, yeah, it's it's represented card, by yeah. a card. Yeah. No, I'm yep, just saying these are sure. these are the different ways that the ancestors actually blend in with the kits. Yeah, uh, and absolutely. and you can and what you can also get abilities, which are, are one use things, uh, one use cards, right? That sacrifice, and you get some sort of benefit from them. All right, so these are the different ways, and for each ancestry, they're different, right? They're not all. Some get a skill and a couple of other things. Some others get uh, an ability plus a couple of starting. I think each ancestry gets at least two cards that goes into the starting deck, if I'm not mistaken. That sounds right. Yeah, I could be wrong. And I, cause I haven't played with all of them recently uh, to be, to be totally honest. I haven't played with all of them in the digital app yet, but uh, it takes a long time to level these things up too, guys, which we'll talk about later. But Basically, this is how the ancestry kits or the sets of cards blend into uh, a class that you're playing with to kind of create this new uh, hybrid character, if you will. That's a mix of class and ancestry that you use to fight against other people. All right, so Double Dubs, walk us through next. How can we act in the digital app? We're not talking about the paper version because people who have it probably already know how to use it. Um, Right. And they can look up stuff on YouTube. It's been out for a long time. They can look that stuff up. The digital app, though, is just it's just been released into the beta, right? And there's lots of legend backers, beta players out there who may not even be aware of it or haven't played it yet or don't even know how to access it. So, Dubs, tell us. Just get a quick tutorial. How can we actually build characters and access this content in the game? Yeah, absolutely. So as you alluded to there, you do have to have the beta. So you have to be like a legend tier backer of the app um right now if you did the uh most recent dungeons kickstarter and you have the pledge manager available to you you can upgrade your account right now if this is something that you want to do and that'll be uh you know kind of for a limited time they don't offer this all the time so first of all that is a prerequisite that you have to be part of the beta and then when you go to create a new character so you'll go um you know to the character screen You'll do select hero and then you'll scroll all the way through your current heroes to create a new one. And when you're in there, it is currently only available for fighter or wizard. So when you try to create a new fighter or wizard, you'll see another new screen pop up and this will be your ancestry screen. So I think this is actually a good chance to go through the different ancestries. So as we said, the game, um, normally you're just playing as a human. There's no modifications to your starting deck, but then if you want to modify that and play as one of these ancestries, you can also you can become a dwarf or an elf. There's also ogre and orc. Then there's small folk. And then last but not least, this was a promo that some people weren't sure they were going to include 
half demon. So uh, there are seven total, if you include human, six non-human ancestries that you can play as. Great overview. Now, in the actual game itself, so if we want to build a new character with one of these ancestries, can, can you walk us through how to do that? Do you remember how? So, uh, like, well, it has to be a fighter or a wizard, and you go to new hero and click through. Yeah. Um, and then at that screen, you'll be able to see. And then in the naming screen, uh, there's new portraits to go with the combination of race and class that you are and there's a new little button that says ancestry and you can click that and you can see the cards that will be uh or the changes that your deck will have because of uh this ancestry that you're choosing yeah so in shorthand guys you'll only see the ancestries if you create a new wizard or fighter character if you're creating a new cleric and you don't see the ancestries it's because they're not available yet all right, they're only available right now for those two classes. So if you want to check them out and you're a Legends backer, beta backer, go to create a new character and create a new wizard or fighter, and you will see all of those lovely ancestries to choose from. All right, good. Um, I think we've kind of covered a good tutorial, if you will, on like how to what these are and how to access them in the game. And again, if you want to know like what each individual one does, all of this stuff is available. Uh, I don't think it's in the app yet in the card library, but it is online because the physical cards have been out for a long time. So you can find resources for that in lots of places. Right. Um, we will talk a little bit about them later. Uh, a few of them, but not all of them. Cause that, it, you, over time, you know, we'll be going over these guys. We're going to spend a lot of time talking about ancestries and you'll see why. Um, all right. So you know what? We also have favorite initial builds and strategies. Uh, should we do that first? Yeah, we can dive into that here a little bit, let's I do, think. Let, let's do that first. And then we have a really nice um, contribution from Filtrophobe on what he, his take on the elf wizard, which he's had a lot of success with. So maybe we'll talk about our initial builds and strategies. Then we'll play filtrophobes and then kind of continue this discussion there that might be a good kind of flow and then we'll then there's some bigger questions and implications for (laughs) that i I can't wait to get into with you so yeah all right all right so let's start here then dubs um we have wizards and fighters with ancestries now what are some of your favorite builds and strategies that you've uncovered so far i gotta give a shout out uh i don't think it's necessarily the most competitive this isn't the best one but small folk is fun, dude. <laughs> it is a fun one. Have you played that uh, yet? Or do you have a yeah. uh, wizard or fighter leveled up? Yep. The small folk wizard is probably the most fun I'm having right now. I, I do think my favorite initially was the uh, half demon, um, which I think still might be my favorite once they figure out how to, how to make it work in the digital game. Cause it's still kind of, yeah, it's not working. It's a little wonky. Right uh, but man, that's small. Fo- now it's interesting because in the original paper version, all of these ancestries attach to level three heroes, right? I guess if you went through the campaigns, you could level them up. You could get some treasures, but not much. Not like we can right. now, right? So when you attach these ancestries to level fourteen heroes, it's like wow, you know, they're like f- you know fully uh, 
like final since, form Frieza, perfect form Frieza versions of the of them. For, for since Ball. we're only doing a few of the favorite builds, how do you feel about going through the four cards that Small Folk gets? Okay, yeah, let's go for it. Um, so first, you get an action burgle. Uh, this is added to your deck, and it lets you draw a card. And it says the next card you acquire this turn costs one gold less if there is a higher cost card in the market. You also get another action, Friendly Banter. It adds one gold, and it says pick a faction. Friendly Banter has that faction this turn. You get an ability. So this is a once-per-game effect. It's not a skill. It's an ability that happens once per game. And it says if your health would drop to zero or less, instead sacrifice this card, set your health to five, and your health can't be lowered this turn. And then last, this is quite a whammy of a quote-unquote, card to have added to your deck, minus 15 health. And I think this is a good um, point with this minus 15 health to call out that the intended design of Ancestries was such that the power level would be equivalent to someone who is a human. Meaning that, like, if you are playing as a human wizard, you wouldn't have a disadvantage necessarily if you're playing against someone who chose an ancestry and was a wizard, right? Because they want that. To, so this is to kind of like offset these these good cards that are getting added. And um, we can maybe discuss uh, later whether or not we believe that design goal was achieved. But I think it's worth calling out that <laughs> the small folk is very tiny, very squishy with this minus 15 hit points. But with the uh, the hide ability in there, that has produced some really fun stories already mm, with yeah. how that has played out. Um, I know Zembu played Dusto on stream a couple weeks ago, like when these were brand new. And Dusto was like, and then we kill him and it like zoomed in and it does the thing. And then um, Zembu like scraped and clawed his way back to a comeback. Like Zembu was like in a losing position. He got killed, but the hide ability triggered and he like clawed his way back into the game. I've had that happen. I had Arcanel himself. Many times. Shout out to you, buddy. Most games do happen actually with a small folk like that. Yeah, he sent he sent the well played emote and then killed me. But I, alas, I was not dead. <laughs> and then I got the you actually won. Him, yeah. So. yeah, it's yeah. A, it's such a great thing. Now hold on. Now before we talk a little bit, get it really dive into this small folk wizard here. Uh, I want to just address what you said earlier. You said the ancestries were aimed to be equivalent to humans. All right. Now, I'm not sure where you heard that or who said that, but it's obviously it's not happening. I'll just preface this by saying it's not true right now. Ancestries are much better for than humans for many reasons. We'll, we'll talk about it later, in my opinion. Um, Maybe that is a misquote. Like, did that come from somewhere? Like, I feel like I have heard that. I've, I don't know. I don't want to like... Um, Maybe he did. That's I, not yeah. true. Maybe but. it's it could be from a Rob interview or something. I, I don't know either. Yeah, that's I I thought that's where I had it in my head was there was like a Rob interview way, not, where he said that. I'm not saying they necessarily have to be. Uh, they they really don't. But humans then just become a kind of a tutorial class that are used to teach players new games. We'll talk about this later. But and the reason why basically if you're adding anything to your kit and giving yourself specializations, you're you're going to make it better than a vanilla quote unquote kit anyway. And we'll go and we'll talk about that later when we talk about humans. Um, okay. Anyway, I just, so I, wanted to, I just want, I didn't want some listeners who hadn't heard of 
ancestors before to think they were the same as humans because I, I don't think they are, in my opinion. Right. Anyway, we'll get we'll yeah. we'll talk more about this later. Um, anyway, the small folk, yeah. So like this hide ability, which by the way automatically triggers when you die. You don't press anything. You don't have to do anything. You, you just come back when you die. You come back alive, and you have five hit points, and you're invin- invincible for the rest of that turn. So even if they save five more damage to hit you again, they won't be able to kill you until next. Doesn't turn. matter. Yep. Yeah. All right. So basically, what it, it it's it's giving you an extra life, but it, even whether they hit you for fifty. If you have five hit points left, where they, they hit you for 50 or five, um, it's going to kill you. Like, there's no overkill. They're not going to get any extra damage for overkilling you. Know? you. You come back alive no matter what. Um, it's super strong, especially once you can get toughen up your uh, wizard a little bit and give them up to level 14. Give them extra, you know, uh, whether it's healing from their channels or uh, uh, extra hit points gloves. from their upgrades or the gloves, yeah. Yeah, de- depending on how you. Whatever and, route. Obviously, you don't you, you don't probably want to go with um, Soul Channel with, with the small. <laughs> I, I wouldn't recommend it. I actually like the the Serene, and but I do think you could do a nice um, pure pure channel and probably um, the gloves with it as well. But man, okay. it's so much fun to play. Yeah, it, that's a good combo. I really like. It. Yeah, you get two actions added to your deck, which you love for the Blazing mm-hmm. Staff or the gloves if it's relevant there, and. Uh, <laughs> The friendly banter, giving that little taste of the alchemist ability to have so that good. like oh, nice factioning is very so good. Amazing. With the treasure map, you can do you can give yourself healing right away if you need it. You can start scrapping if you need it. You can draw if you need it. If you get if you draw both of them at the same hand, right? It gives you such yeah. versatility early, and your chances right. of getting that first uh, you know first couple of the hands aren't bad because your deck isn't that big and you're drawing so much. Um, so yeah. would you want run robes if you were robes no. and treasure map so that you can no. kind of max out the friendly banter? You think no, you got to go think, gloves and serene? Uh, I mean, probably? you could you you could do that, but you're you are straddling the line of death um, already. Already yeah. so when, close when, with when with, I hear treasure map, I'm just always thinking robes because I feel like you want to get the best value out of your robes or out of your treasure map. You want robes most of the time, but yeah, yeah. I guess you got to play to the if you do have um, if you have pure channel, it helps a little bit because then if you if you draw the robes or draw the map, you can leave it for next turn or end up taking it this turn. Or okay, yeah, I would yeah. um, okay. Yeah. Some ways to um, do it. Yeah, and by the way, I have not played that much. I just got my uh, small folk wizard up to fourteen, probably a few days ago. So I'm not like right. a. Uh, I haven't gotten tons of um, high level games with it in yet, but it's a lot. And of that's fun where I'm at too. Yeah, yeah. Um, I will give a shout out to uh, my buddy Fierro, who is playing a f- small folk fighter, and uh, he likes the combo. Um, not saying again that it's like incredibly powerful or anything, but it does some, it opens up some avenues to fighter that you don't normally mm. get. Burgle is helping your econ a little bit, which is cool. And then friendly banter opening up some of that faction abilities that fighter doesn't always get because usually mm-hmm. you're not buying a critical mass enough of cards for fighter to be factioning reliably. Sure. Yeah, so for fight a fighter who's like factioning and getting a little better econ, I'm like okay, okay, not bad. Yeah. So yeah, I wanted to give a shout out to, to old Ticklebottom there. <laughs> so that's, that's uh, yeah, 
Yeah. Um, just just a few more a few more shout outs. Um, I think you know the obvious combos for the fighter are the the big brawny guys the orc and the ogre can do some crazy things they're still balancing yeah. the stuff by the way they're still changing the kids and how they interact do we uh, want to talk but, about yeah. that at all like uh, orc was nerfed just a couple mm-hmm. days ago orc yeah. was nerfed uh kind of big time it sounds like okay Maybe so how big did time. it start yeah well how did it know. start and how did it get nerfed okay so i guess it's uh ogre actually Ogre is yeah. the one that got nerfed. I think. I think Orc Orc got a small nerf too, I, I believe. But yeah, okay. So let's talk about Ogre first, because Ogre was the one that seemed more OP. Uh, Ogre, the War Club, got added to your deck, and it's a weapon that does five damage. Well, now it only does three damage. The Ogre also got a shiny rock that replaced a gold which uh, shiny rock is worth two econ. And so that was replacing a gold. So that's really good. But now instead of replacing, it's just straight up added. So those were two key changes to ogre. And then the orc, which was the other aggro one that people were using with fighter. They had um, a card called bully, which is an action that says you may acquire a car card with cost three or less for free well now that can only acquire a card with cost two or less for free i was a little surprised to see the orc nerf because i didn't that know that orc was really like doing a lot now, yeah. now really really quick can you tell us what are the negative aspects for those ancestries yeah so let's start with ogre so ogre is the one that had the uh war club that was reduced um so it has plus 10 HP, but in addition to that plus 10 HP, it says cards in the market cost you an additional one gold to acquire, <laughs> which is so brutal. So I have to say, like, I leveled one of these to 14 right away. It was the first one I got to 14. It was powerful and it like gets some huge damage out there. But man, the play style is not for me. <laughs> like you're just not buying anything. You maybe buy one card or you do a couple fire gems here and you're just like running through your base deck and like one damage card you got off the market. And, you know, you're like, go, you're trying to kill them as quick as possible. And I just that cards in the market cost you an additional one gold to acquire not a lot of fun in my like leveling experience winning is fun. So maybe at level 14 playing this a bunch would be fun. It's interesting but- dubs. It's really interesting because I think at the low mid levels, like around three, four or five before the fighter deck gets clogged up with all the garbage uh, upgrade cards, you can actually get really nice econ rounds. You can even buy like you can get up to nine, seven, eight gold and buy stuff. I'm saying this happens though only at the like level three and four <laughs> before, <laughs> before it's fully matured. Once you, you're right, once you get it up to the big levels, your your deck just is so to do clogged your spear up. And your, yeah, you you yeah. just can't get your econ can't get up there, right? But before your deck gets clogged up, and this kind of says this goes hints back at the problem with the fighter. It actually gets worse relatively. Uh, to the other characters as it like significantly worse as it, as it levels up. All right. Which is a indicator that the design is not great. You need to redesign the cards for the fighter. The fighter needs to get better as it gets, uh, as it levels up, not, not getting worse. Right? And the, one of the reasons it's getting, or it's not continuing to uh, 
rise up with the other guys is the economy gets snuffed out. You can't buy anything with the dang fighter. Anyway. Right. You're um, the fighter is relying on its like starting deck more so than the market. It feels like, and it's a deck building game and you want to be like building off the market. So, so in that same vein, then the orc has a negative associated with it, which is that it gets a plus four health. But then it says you may not acquire the rightmost card in the market row. This one I find a lot more interesting. I haven't played it. Uh, I played it in paper, but I haven't played it uh, digitally. But it seems a lot uh, more palatable from a play experience. What What are your thoughts on the orc? Did you, is this one of the ones you leveled up, or what do you have? No, I'm. I guess you can well, answer I, about orc first, but yeah, no, I'm doing it now. Uh, I figured I, I have to do. I, I played all the wizards first. Well. As soon as Ancestries dropped, I was like, oh, I got to do my half demon wizard, you know, and then I leveled it on. And then I, well, while I was playing, I realized it didn't work right. So I was like, oh, man, that sucks. So um, I, I did a, you know, I've slowly been getting a few more wizards and I've gotten an orc and an ogre. They're at like level five or something right now. That's why I talked about their economy is actually pretty good right now. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, so I haven't gotten up there yet, but I know this is the same story with the other fighter. I, the, orc or the ogre fighter even has better economy than the human the human fighter even at mid-level because of the shiny rock because of the stuff yeah even even though everything's more expensive you have more stuff in your in your Hmm. deck to buy stuff or to give you econs so um yeah no i i I really like it at the mid-levels um but i can i'll i know i will be in the same boat as you once you get up to the high levels and you just relegated to kind of a decisionless play style where you're just you know hammering uh, your opponent with fire gems and your your skill every turn not exactly why why i signed up to play this game you know (laughs) and it also just kind of feels like with the war club nerf um and kind of the nerf to ogre in general that like why do you think they don't want aggro to be so viable like it feels like Aggro can why. play an important role I'm, in the metagame. I'll tell you why. It's because games that end on turn five or turn six suck, and they turn players off, and uh, there's no quicker way to chase off new players than to have them lose on turn five before they can not even do anything. And that's kind of what happens when you have aggro. Now, <clears throat> I'm not saying there shouldn't be aggro in the game. We need it. You need aggro to balance out, to keep other styles of play in check. Uh, right. Otherwise, greedy like wizards and thieves and stuff, they're just going to go wild. <laughs> mm-hmm. And kind of, the is, cleric doesn't get to showcase its power. Mm-hmm. Yep. No, I, yeah, I'm not arguing with any of that. But I'm just saying this is probably why they're afraid of uh, the aggro, right? Because it creates a negative yeah. play experience for some, especially new players. And especially if you come right. into the game, you're like, oh, well, let's check it out. And then you're dead. Before you smoked the card, you bought two cards. They're still in your discard. You haven't even shuffled your, or maybe you just shuffled and you're about to play your card and then you're killed, you know, like that. That's a pretty quick way to turn off a new player for playing a game, which is something that they always talk about. You know, they're always talking about complicated rules and like comprehension for new players. I think they're really keen about retaining new players or tracking new players. So this is probably one of the things would be my guess. I guess this all just circles back to me then to like a fighter rework feeling necessary because right now the fighter all signs point towards like you're supposed to build towards aggro and yet like that aggro isn't viable, you know? Well, no, I, 
But here's the thing, like, what is aggro, though? I think you can have an aggro. I just used air quotes for all of you oh, yeah. potters at home. <laughs> yeah. Aggro. Um, great, great. I great saw the comment. Chris Farley gif in my mind. Yeah. <laughs> One of my faves. Um, no, no where, where was I going with this? Yeah, so aggro. The forms it, it can take and what it means. Yeah, to me. like, I, for me, I'd rather have... Like you can have this framework where the uh, fighter has this ability that does a ton of damage. Maybe its skill is uh, whether it's expending champions or doing damage or whatever it is. I still think the fighter needs to be worked. The fighter needs to be able to participate in the deck building part of the game, uh, we, which we were talking about. You were just talking about like with the ogre, you don't you can't you, you don't buy anything except fire gems, right? Or, or if there's something really cheap, you can buy with one level gold you have or whatever. Yeah, uh, the fighter basically, it's like, well, I can buy something, and then lose, or <laughs> I can buy fire gems and spam my attack, and maybe, maybe I can eke out Squeak a squeak in. It's, it's yeah. like those are yep. the two choices. So that that's not a good. You need to give the fighter other options to participate in the deck building by buying, giving them economy, giving them ways to heal, giving them the ways to play the lottery game. Now, maybe they'll stop winning quick at quote unquote aggro games. Um, but you know, anything would be better than where the, the fighter is right now. Now, and we're kind of regressing into fighter talks again, but this is part of the problems that they're just resurfacing again with the ancestries, right? And, right. Because they introduced the fighter ancestry. So yeah. we're all back to playing fighter and we're like observing, you know, some of the, yeah. the problems that we have. Yeah. And here, and, and we'll, and we're going to get to Filtro's take on the wizard next, but, um, I, th- this is a good point to just bring bring this discussion point up i think because i think I, i'm i've started at first i viewed ancestries as kind of like a novelty i was like oh they'll be fun to add to the game but most people won't play them they'll just be like fun to do challenges and every once in a while i don't think that's i think they're actually going to fundamentally change the whole yeah. way the game is played oh yeah um, before we get well oh, hold on but let me just say this and we'll we'll do the deep dive on that later but um just bring I was going to connect it to um, the fighter because when you have an ancestry that you can attach and not, I'm not saying every single ancestry works for every single character. No, of course not. But you'll probably have one or two ancestries that yes. click in really well, like a zipper or like a jigsaw puzzle piece with, uh, with the class you're pairing it with. Right. And for fighter, it should be uh, it should have been orc or ogre. Right. Uh, it may, it, you could make a case for uh, dwarf or some, some of the other ones, but they obviously haven't been working either. Um, basically, even with ancestries, the fighter still sucks. You can get, <laughs> you can get aggro wins, but once they started getting aggro wins, it immediately got nerfed by, by WWG, right? So it's like, uh, you got to fix the, you got to re, not, and not balance, we're not talking about balancing the fighter, we're talking about like a redesign of the fighter kind of like what happened to the poor druid the poor druid got completely redesigned uh, <laughs> and it probably didn't that, really that is, it. yeah yeah and it didn't but it's a fighter that actually needs the redesign it, the ancestries aren't even helping it that's the point i wanted to make that's what i'm seeing so, my initial oppression so far again i've only gotten two to level five but i fought against a lot of them and by the way i've lost right. against a lot of them as wizards getting aggroed it happens right but that's making it it's even harder for them now because they've they've got nerfed to do that so Anyway, so I want to go, yeah, back to one quick little thing you said about how like a certain ancestry might pair up really well with a certain class, right? 
Um, mm-hmm. What about this idea that a certain ancestry could pair up well with a certain class for a particular matchup? Mm-hmm. And what I'm getting totally. at here is um, I, I know I think Zembu posted about this. I'm not sure how well it worked for him, but half demon fighter getting some built in sacrifice could perhaps improve the cleric matchup. I think that's a really interesting idea. It's probably still an abysmal matchup, but like <laughs> that is pretty interesting. Well, I think. oh, I I didn't say the ancestries are making fighter worse. Don't get don't mistake like the ancestries make the fighter get better, but it's still crappy, is what I'm saying. Even after right. its attitude, it's, it's still, still not that much better. Yeah, I'm not saying it's yeah. bad though. I mean, yeah, of course that the half demon is awesome. It's my favorite kid actually because of that sacrifice and because of the cool things you can do with it. Um, but yeah. And plus you're going to aggro with that because you're taking a hit on your healing. So you're not going to be relying on your healing as much. Uh, should we, should we talk yeah, half demon talk really demon, quick yeah. before we yeah. go elf? Okay. So I'm going to run through the four cards, quote unquote, that are added for half demon. So first you get an action added to your deck called demon blood, which counts as a necros card. This is a necros card in your deck and it does work that way in the app. Right, Jig? Um, the, the one that sacrifices is the, yep. It counts as a red card. So it will like faction my copy of the rot, right? That has been fixed at first. It was factionless, which totally neuters the whole half demon kit. But yes, it yeah. has, it's key that it has that Necros faction. Yes, it does. Okay, so this action called Demon Blood, which is a Necros card, it adds one gold, or you may sacrifice a card in your hand. So uh, very interesting starting the game with some scrap. Of course, it's limited to your hand only. We know how tricky that can be. But of course, your hand, you also will basically always have a target for it too. So that's something to think about. Um, you also get an action added demonic strength demonic strength is does not have a faction associated with it it gives you two damage and if you had an it factions with a necros card so hopefully none of that's too confusing but it factions with a necros card and it says set this card aside at the end of your draw phase return this card to your hand so you can deal two damage with it on one turn and if you have a necros card then demonic strength passes to your next hand as well staying out of the shuffle and giving you an extra two damage and another action for your following hand as well yeah it's um, awesome now the, wait let me just explain there so it receives a benefit if you play another Necros card, but it will not trigger the faction on another's. It's not a Necros card itself, so it won't trigger yes. other Necros cards. That's what you meant, yeah. It's yep. by the way, it's 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 deceptively awesome. It seems like it's going to be ho hum, but if you can yeah. get one or two Necros cards on top of your uh, initial Demon starting board. one, you can start bouncing that card every turn and just doing damage and um it's just awesome it's an extra two damage every turn and it gives you if you have robes and you're robing a card you're going to start your hand with uh seven cards against your opponent that's which pretty is sick pretty, which is pretty <laughs> de- demotivating just to look at right and yeah. against thieves especially it's quite it can be quite good because you have so many well, choices nice. to, th- to yeah continuing so, through the Half Demon Ancestry, you get what is referred to as a global buff of plus five HP with the negative effect of whenever you gain health, gain one less health instead. And uh, 
that one i believe it's not fully working correctly in the app right now there's still kind of yeah so it should be you only get the minus one to imperial healing so each imperial card that you play that gives you healing or each instance of healing that it gives you gives one less if it's imperial however if it's like from healing from your channel or if you're a thief and you're using lift that should act normally However, in the digital app, it's just a minus one to all healing, which is really, really heavy handed. It, it, and it basically makes playing uh, half team and wizard uh, not really viable versus the other stronger, the, the stronger uh, versus small folk and elf, at least. They, it just gets. But destroyed. it sounded like they're working on something there and that um, we can right. hopefully see that we're aligning with the paper version of the card soon so that yeah, it only affects yeah, so it'd be nice to see it play at, at its potential as it was yeah. designed before we maybe it'll maybe it'll be too strong we'll have to figure it out but it'd be nice to actually see it working as intended first so <clears throat> all, those three cards on their own is like got me interested like okay i'll play this class but wait there's more <laughs> there's a fourth card hellfire hellfire is an ability so you can use it once per game it costs you three health, and then it says deal three damage to target opponent and each non-guard champion they control. So you got Fireball and Hellfire potentially for quite a Nova burst of damage that's possible there. That seems really awesome. That's yeah, good. You have to be really careful with that Hellfire, though, because it's it's a it's also a one-way ticket to death's door if you're not careful uh chipping away at your own health like that so and again okay. it only work it only works on non-guards so it's not going to take out yeah. guards um and it's only three damage you know so unless you're really confident that you're going to win the game or you need to take out some non-guards i i rarely use it unless it's really close to like the killing blow true yeah no that makes sense but i just got like in the back of my head like the level 16 aggro wizard where you spec the kit as far into aggro as you can mm -hmm. and you've got double fireballs and a hellfire okay yeah. well here let me put it this way would you rather have the one-off hellfire that does three damage and also damage to yourself or would you rather have the elf's repeatable draw skill that you can <laughs> use over and over again well, I'll take repeatable draw, I suppose. And that counts as a segue over to the elf, I reckon. So let's uh, read through the elf ancestry before we listen to what Filterphobe sent over. So opening things up for the global buff is a minus eight HP and draw two less cards in your opening hand. Nothing buff about that and also worth calling out that this is a recent change it used to be the case that elf drew one less card in their opening hand that has been recently modified to two less cards so if an elf is going first they will have one card to start the game if an elf is going second they will have three cards to start the game yeah, and that's not, by the way, you don't get dealt all your cards and you get to choose which ones you get. No, you just get one card and all the other ones are still on your draw deck, right? So it's right. It's definitely a nerf. And by the way, these are nerfs that happened in like the day or two after uh, Filterphobe recorded, <laughs> recorded this piece. And when you hear, right. you're about to hear it now, when you hear it, I think you'll see why 
the the elf got nerfed very quickly. <laughs> and I think you'll also and we'll talk we'll react after it. I think in time will tell, but the nerf ain't gonna be enough, guys. Or it's kind of a it's not an effective nerf in, in my opinion. And we'll talk about that later. But first, let's listen to uh Filterphobe's take on the elf wizard. Hello listeners and podcasters, Um, today I'm going to talk to you about the Elf Wizard. So I've been having a lot of success with it, particularly at high levels, and so I thought I'd share some of my experiences. So first of all, the positives for the Elf Wizard, you get the Elven Grace and the Sunstein Brooch into your starting deck, as well as getting the Elven Wisdom skill. Uh, so just quick refreshes on the two. Elven Grace is an action that says your skills cost one this turn. Uh, Elven Wisdom is a skill that says discard a card to draw a card. And the Sunstone Brooch replaces a gold in your deck. And it gives you the option for one gold or two healing. Uh, the negatives of the Elf are that your health is reduced by eight, which can make you quite vulnerable to aggro, particularly at lower levels. And you have one less card in your opening hand which can make your uh, first turn in the market a little difficult or potentially even miss at times. So what we're doing when we're building the Elf Wizard is we're trying to use the positives of what's going on there to effectively enhance the way the wizard plays. So the first big reason, or the reason that you want to play Elf Wizard is the is Elven Grace, which is the skill the uh, ability, sorry, uh, the action that says your skills cost one gold. And then additionally, how that interacts with Elven Wisdom on top of your channel. Uh, So basically, you're drawing two cards every turn instead of one, which means you're getting through your starting deck far more quickly, and when you do have cards in your deck, you're seeing them more regularly. Additionally, Elven Grace is an extra action in your deck to activate your staff, Uh, which means that, particularly in the early game, it's far less likely to brick. Um, And the other really big action to consider is that when your channel costs one gold, you can spend a gold on channel and potentially go fishing for two gold cards. So your channel, particularly at higher levels when you start healing, will be healing you and potentially giving you gold. Similarly, you can use Elven Wisdom to discard Ignites to go fishing for those bigger gold cards as well. Uh, So, yeah, it's a really good way to get a bit of extra econ out of your deck. Uh, In terms of the build that I've been running, we've been using Serene Channel and two health upgrades to compensate for the low starting health, Explosive Fireball to market lock some of our slower opponents and potentially get targeted discards of Shield Bearers and Swashbucklers against Fighters, Uh, Blazing Staff over Serpentine just for the general matchup spread, and then we take the triple interaction of Silver Skull, Amulet, Runic Robes, and Ship in a Bottle for the Wizard Econ combo that we'll get to just a little bit later. And then Magic Mirror just to aggressively cycle even more. Uh, you could also take Alchemist Stone. I haven't tried it yet, but it would also be very good. Anyway, uh, the Wizard Econ combo. Um, basically, it's probably the best thing to do in the base classes at the moment. You use Robes, Silver Skull Amulet, and Ship in the Bottle to get a massive Econ turn on your second turn or third turn to buy really expensive cards, and you either put them in play immediately using the Silver Skull Amulet draw, channel, or you just get a bunch, or you just spend a whole heap of gold in a single turn and load them all into your next shuffle. Uh, additionally, you can use, if you do 
get an action with Chip in the bottle. You can use Magic Mirror to get it immediately into play and then draw an extra card. Um, so yeah, basically we're using this combo to really get some accelerated starts in Hero, in Hero Realms. So what happens when this all comes together? Basically we're using Elven Grace and Elven Wisdom to cycle our deck far more efficiently than your normal wizard can. We're using robes to build up large early econ turns to get really strong cards in our early, in the early game. And then we're using robes to keep one of those starter cards out of our shuffle for the rest of the game. Uh, additionally, we're going to use this econ pa package to get these really large, powerful early turns. And when we factor all this together, we're going to be playing incredibly powerful cards basically every turn because of the amount of draw and cycle we have. And so the end product is we're effectively cycling as fast as a ranger, but we have all the econ and healing that the wizard has. Um, so where it's basically aggressive, but also has the advantages of the econ and healing playstyle of the wizard. Um, sometimes this doesn't quite happen with chip, but at the end of the day, you're still playing wizard and with more cycle and econ than most other classes, you'll still be able to assemble together a powerful deck to win. Uh, and, yeah, the weaknesses of the deck. Um, aggro is still a problem, uh, and we still can miss gold in the early turns. However, Robes is pretty good at helping to mitigate that. If our first turn, when we draw one less card, doesn't look great, we can just go, okay, we'll, we'll take a turn off and we'll make the next turn really good instead. Uh, and then, to deal with our low health pool, we're using Serene Channel and Brooch, which means that I tend to find you only need one healing card or a bunch of guards just to get through those aggressive matchups. Um, sometimes the aggressive matchups are unwinnable if none of that flips, but that's just a problem that every wizard has. Uh, and just on the topic of aggressive matchups, make sure you always use Brooch for healing against Fighter and Barbarian, uh, unless you can use it to buy a Domination or Command, like a powerful card that heals. Uh, I know I've said a lot about it, so I have been recording my stats at high level. Uh, at the time of recording, I have manually recorded 53 games against... Uh, sorry, 53 games at level 13 or higher. Uh, that's just when we get shipped in a bottle. I currently have four losses against Fighter, one loss against Barbarian, and one loss against Alchemist. That means I've won 47 out of the 53 games I've played, and five of the classes have not defeated me. Furthermore, while I have talked about how vulnerable I am to aggro, I have had 12 wins against Fighter, which leaves the win rate at 75% in the matchup. Overall, my win rate is currently 88.68%, which is insane. It's my highest win rate character, and it's crazy. Um, and going on from that, when you remove aggro, I have won 33 out of 34 of my games. It is kind of absurd how much it's winning. Um, and finally, why should you play it? I think, personally, it's incredibly fun to play. If you like drawing aggressively and set up combos, it is the perfect playstyle. Uh, if you like Wizard and you like Ranger, you will love Elven Wizard. Um, another one, it has a 100% win rate against Rucksack and, Rucksack and the Cat Says Meow, so if you're struggling to beat them, this is your chance. Uh, and we'll just leave a final word of warning. Just remember, when you are playing against Aggro, you are playing a survival game from turn 1. And if you play Ancestry Fighter at any time before level 13, uh, it's not a fun experience. So expect some growing pains while leveling up. But yeah, don't let this all turn you off the Elven Wizard. It is a lot of fun, and I highly recommend you should pick it up, particularly at these higher levels of play. It is a blast, and 
and probably the most powerful thing I've ever played in Hero Realms. All right, Philtrophobe, thank you very much. Wow, some of the stats he's spouting off there are pretty crazy. Now, okay, let me preface this. Philtrophobe, you're a great player, very strong, uh, and not diminishing that at all. However, if you're um, hitting like a high 80s, 90s with your win percentage, chances are you found an OP combo. Congratulations. Oh, yeah. right? this, ha- this happens in beta testing a lot. Uh, we saw it in early beta. We saw it with Fighter even. We saw it with uh, Thief when they were going crazy. We even saw it, uh, funnily enough, with the Wizard, when the Wizard had double, uh, double um, channel uh, possibilities available with, with how the, the kits used to. You used to be able to get a second skill as part of it was as one of your choices for building characters and they that mixed that not it last ma- long no it didn't last long mainly because <laughs> the thief the thief was abusing it but the wizard could also abuse it probably just as bad if not worse uh moral of the story is extra repeatable draw on top of the draw this wizard already gets is probably a little op um anyway so i just want to say that now um Let's unpack it a little bit here. So he's he's found a really cool combo. Now, uh, all right, sorry, Dubs, I was going to ask you to go first, but I'm just going to keep going a little bit. You know, Wizard is yeah, top of the Yeah, roll, player. man. Um, Filtrophobe, I, you know, identified this uh, this uh, combo, or it's like a package, or I think he called it an economy package or, or something, uh, where it's the, um, the amulet, the ship in the bottle, and uh, what was the other one? Oh, robes, basically. Robes. Yeah. yeah. So basically, you can. And this, by the way, this is not a strategy that's specific to the elf wizard. This is wizard piloting. You know, maybe not 101, but maybe 102. Um, the wizard is so great with those cards because they can basically customize how they their buying is going to look for their first deck. They can decide uh, when and how much money they're going to have available on turns. If they can spend a bunch of money now if they want, or they can pack it away and save it and set things up uh, for other turns, especially if you're using channeling as well, uh, pure or even soul channel, which lets you kind of set up cards and take one take one now that you don't need and set up strong cards later, et cetera. Set up big buys. Okay, this is part of wizard strategy. The thing is with the elf wizard, as he said, he's like, it's almost like the it's like a ranger wizard hybrid because you are drawn so much yeah and the reason is because you have your channel and then you have the second ability not only that the uh, elf um starting elven grace and uh yeah elven grace draws doesn't it yeah i don't i don't think you mentioned the draw on it when you described it but that card draws uh so you have all this draw on your deck um you have healing uh now granted you do take a hit a hit point hit uh, from your your ancestry, I think it's minus eight. Uh, I forget which is big. It. Yeah, yeah. But you get, it, but you get a card that replaces a gold. I think right. Um, the medal, the medallion, that sunstone brooch. Yeah, sunstone brooch. The brooch. 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 I say brooch. Brooches. 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 Boy. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, it's only noon here, guys, in Japan. I'm, I'm perfectly, <laughs> perfectly sober right now. Um, uh, lost my train of thought, though. Um, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, so you get healing, you get draw, more draw, 
and more healing. It, it, it's just like you get all these wonderful tools that just work so great for, for the wizard. And by the way, I think we don't have the ranger uh, accessibility to ancestries yet, but a ra- elf ranger also sounds uh, very broken to me right now without even playing it yet. I mean, you can play a level three with a paper version, but um, yeah, like it's, it, he has uncovered a really strong combo here, but it's not exactly a huge surprise that it is. Um, uh, what, what are your responses to this, Dubs? Yeah, I mean, credit to Filterphobe for identifying this one early and running with it. That streak of 53 games with only like four losses, I think, like that is incredible stuff there. So epic run. Uh, thanks for, for sharing sure. your I'm on the losing on end it. of a lot of those for sure, by the way. I, I'm <laughs> yeah. on, I will say, though, that my uh, Alchemist, I won... I, I'm sure I won at least one against Filter with my Alchemist. So I think I was one of those. Nice. So I, I was one of the few people to get to the victory. <laughs> yeah. By the way, Alch- Alchemist is also suffering against the uh, Ancestry wi- Wizards and other. Well, we'll talk about that too. Like humans versus ancestries do not seem great. The other thing too, like um, how many of these, I, I know when you're in the beta queue, you're playing against a lot of other ancestries as well, but you're also playing against other people who are still playing their human characters in, in the beta in the, in, in the beta queue. And if you are playing with ancestries versus humans, you have a huge advantage in my opinion. Um, and I guess we can, maybe this is a good transition to get, to talk about this a little bit. All right. Uh, well, unless, do you have anything more to talk about Filtro's stuff there? I mean, it speaks um, for itself. I think he's yeah. yeah. He, he, he I, the only the thing that yeah, the only thing I would think is left to get into is to talk about like the nerfs and the route they went and like how crazy it is that the sunstone brooch like it replaces a gold. How insane for your gold to get upgraded from one gold or two health, and when when we know that aggro like is really the Achilles heel for the fighter or no, for the wizard. It's just a really good kit. I mean, you can yeah. just objectively compare the kit to all of the other ancestries and it can, it blows them out of the water. I, I mean, it really does. Uh, in my opinion, I thought, you know, the half demon is really valuable as well. I think for that, just for the sacrifice and the, uh, the uh, built-in action that you get, the action. Yeah you get is really good. The small folk, that's one of the reasons why small folk as well. They get two actions in, in theirs and starting cards. My point is, I think the like, 15 oh. HP might be aggressive for small folk. I think that might have to get tweaked a little. We'll see. Yeah. But maybe just a little bit less. Like it's pretty close. I don't 12, know. Small folks, yeah. I don't know. Or, and the other thing too is like, okay. And now, all right. Now we're going to talk about humans here too, right? <laughs> like what is, what is the fate of humans in all of this? We're talking about ideally they, I think, you know, Dubs alluded earlier that they're trying to keep everything equal, right? A human would be uh, the extra health or lack of a penalty would be equal to whatever benefits other ancestries are getting. And that's not true for what we've seen so far. All right. And in my opinion, again, this is all my opinion and this is all beta testing stuff. Like this is all stuff that's being tested and balanced right now. So it's not like a, um, you know, a claim against, you know, an outcry for outrage against what's going on. This is part of the process of developing this stuff. But um, the ability to add cards to your deck and to specialize in ways that uh, um, amplify aspects of your character and their kit 
is much more valuable than a few extra hit points. Like it's not even close. I'd much rather have extra starting cards in my deck or a repeatable skill that gives me an extra card draw every turn. Are you freaking kidding me? Like, yeah, of course I'll take that every, every day of the week over uh, eight extra hit points. <laughs> you know, what, um, what do you think about the idea that some of these cards that are getting added though, aren't as strong? Like, like let's take the dwarf. For example, mm-hmm. dwarf is getting a hammer added. Hammer is an item that gives you three combat and you're getting a pick, which is an item that gives you two combat and you acquire or sorry, you it's two combat or acquire a fire gem for free. I love the <laughs> flavor of pick. I love mechanically what's going on there, but pick and hammer. Those both seem bad. <laughs> like and maybe dwarf is just a bad ancestry, but there's like nothing super appealing to me about dwarf. Um, they don't seem bad. Buddy, they, they are bad. This is, <laughs> and again, I don't, I don't want to be over. I, I can be, you know, a little sharp with my criticism, but I don't mean this like as a personal attack on WWG or anything. They're, you know, they're testing this out, they're trying to figure it out. But this is bad design. Like it's not even close to the same stratosphere of power level as some of these other cards. Like, and like, like you said, I get, small yeah, thing. and I get. It's cool. It's really admirable that they're trying to go for the, um. um the flavor, like, you know, yeah, you're using a pickaxe and you're getting fire gems. Like, yeah, that feels like a dwarf. That's sick. Or you're using yeah. it to like attack someone. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Or you can be a small folk and get a card that draws you a card uh, and <laughs> reduces the cost of something in the row or a card that you can use that gives you gold and you can use for any faction you want. Or, right. Or <laughs> like it's not yeah. even close. And so these, these are things that are going to have to work out. And right now we're seeing, and again, here's the other thing too, like, Right now, we only have fighter and wizard available, so we can we're seeing now the best ancestries, and maybe there's, there'll be other combos that that are revealed later. Like especially, I think the half demon has some potential, and there might be some others. But um, half demon cleric, ideally, well, yeah. For once, the other classes get theirs available as well. We'll see different, hopefully, different ancestry combinations will work better with different ones than other ones will. Right. Hopefully the elf just won't be the best ancestry for everybody, but right now it is like, it's not even close. It seems like it will be, I'm trying to theory craft dwarf into being good though. And I've, I haven't identified the class yet where dwarf is good, (laughs) but we'll see. It's, I mean, dwarf clerics and fighters are always kind of a, I mean, if you go through to, this, that's like the, the trope. trope. The, the trope. Yeah, that's yeah. the trope. That's but in about. the game, I don't know if they'll be any good. Yeah. Now, this is a tall order. It's going to take a lot of play testing and repetition and like just people playing games and getting data and stuff to work all this stuff out. Like it's just a mammoth task that, that, that's right. lying ahead. And I and yeah. I get to that's why that's why they're doing it bits at a time. Like we're only doing we're only seeing two characters with access to it now. But, and I brought this up in the discord and we don't have to get too deep into the weeds on it, but if you are balancing this stuff before all of the characters have access to them, you, it might, it's probably not the most effective way to balance everything because once all of the other classes also have access, it's going to upset the balancing again. Right. Uh, In other words, it, it seems to me like it would be the most efficient way to balance stuff after having everything out and playing against each other um, and seeing how they kind of work and interact with each other and keep checks and balances and et cetera, et cetera, within the meta and then balance from there rather than doing little by little 
and then adding new stuff that further upset the balance. Like you might be balancing stuff that actually would have worked fine if everyone, if it was a full, fully formed meta, you know what I'm saying? Anyway, I, I've talked yeah. about that and, and I don't, I could be totally wrong on it, but that just, that's my intuition when I, when I'm seeing this stuff play out a little bit. But what do you think about that? So, no, I'm I'm with you on that. I'm really excited to see where it goes. I think the reminder that like this is beta, you know, like let's all be patient with them, even if we disagree with the routes that they've taken and chosen for some of the different like nerfs and, and things like that. Like we'll give it time and the numbers will uh express what changes need to happen, I think. So we yeah. we have gone pretty and heavy also, into ancestries also- here. But just to piggyback on that too, and if you don't like something or if it's kind of taking the fun out of the game for you, take a little break from the game too. It, it, like beta testing isn't, and Rob has said this in his interviews uh, frequently too, like beta testing is for a certain type of player who's willing to try things that are broken or not quite working or things that are going to be changed. Like it takes it, it's not like playing this uh, stable game that's going to give you the same experience over and over again. So you have to kind of accept that when you're playing beta. That's it comes with the territory, I guess. Yeah. Sorry. D. Yep. Well, no, just that, like, I, I think we should, uh, we got a, some other good content to get here. Any other ancestries thoughts we want to talk about anything we missed so far that you want to. Yeah. On? Okay. Well, so just to wrap it up, I guess, like I said earlier, I, I underestimated the impact that ancestries were going to have. And now I see like, not only are they going to, have a big impact i think it's going to completely change how the game is played and i think it's good by the way like giving this extra layer to customize and specialize your character builds is one of the reasons why this game is so much fun is all these choices and the decision trees we have when building stuff like that's the fun part of the game and this is bringing it to a whole nother like level i don't i don't want to say exponential level but it's giving you a lot more choices, right? And it's going to be a bumpy ride figure. And it's going to be messy figuring it all, play testing it all out. But man, like it's going to be, we're going to have a situation where even if a character kit isn't perfect, you know, fighter aside, you can use these ancestries to fill in the part, the weaknesses and to really uh, figure out play styles for how you want to play a certain character that, uh, can really differ from person to person and really be effective ways ways to play. So the potential here is just amazing. It's going to be a long slog. It's going to be a lot of play testing in the meantime, but I'm here for it. It's going to be fun. And it's fun to talk about it with you guys too, as it goes through. So this will be a fun uh, kind of, you know, recurring thing that we keep returning to in future episodes as well. Yeah. I, I think like hero realms is a deck builder, but part of what makes it so special, like you talked about there, is that there's a little bit of deck building that happens before you do the deck building. <laughs> and Ancestries exactly. is just a little, another layer of deck building that you can do before the deck building and the other deck building that's happening. And so, you know, any ways that you're able to kind of like use that, um, it, it is fun stuff for sure. Because I love the little tweaks, like with the respect tokens. Oh, I've got a match coming up against someone. I'm going to respec in this slight little way because I want to have this one card. Well, now Ancestries introduces like a whole other way to do that. So it should be good stuff. Now, I will say, though, you cannot respec your Ancestry. So once you build a character with an Ancestry, you're stuck with it. You can respec all your upgrades and choices right. uh, within the class kit, but you cannot rechoose your, your Ancestry. You have to make a new character for that. So this is one of the where, which is smart because... Now we're all going to have to make lots of ancestry yep. characters, but <laughs> awesome. I'm, it's just going to take a long time to do it, but it'll be fun to, to work, to work it out. 
All right. Um, I think that's good for ancestries this time. As, as we said, we will be, this is a huge paradigm shift in how the game is played. We're going to be talking about this, uh, at least in beta right now. Eventually it's going to make itself to the, to the public game as well, but we will be talking about this a lot moving forward. So never fear. Uh, all that said, let's move on to another really fun, interesting and newly developing aspect of the digital <laughs> yeah. game, Lua. Okay, everybody, here we are with Lua discussion. Uh, we are still workshopping a cool, a funny, uh, clever name for the segment. Be, be patient with us on that. And it can't be um, Luau, because, you know, that's already been done. Yeah, that's <laughs> what you said on your stream, so we won't, we won't cannibalize right. that here. Um, all right, so Lua basically is, and double dubs, fill any blanks that I miss here. It's basically a way for um, players to hack in, not hack, but create their own code and lang or language and game environments and cards and et cetera, scenarios even, to play within Hero Realms. You need the Steam uh, beta client, I think. Anyone who has access to Steam on a PC can do it, as far as I know. And you, if you have document access to the documentation, which is also publicly available, it will teach you kind of how to code some of these ways to build cards and game states. Long story short, you can create your own characters, you can create your own like uh, campaigns and play scenarios too, potentially down the road. Oh yeah, it's hugely exciting, and it's so cool that Wise Wizard Games is opening this up for the community to to play and test it out. And not only can you make your own stuff, you can test it out with other people, right, Dubs? Yeah, so that's the huge like recent development. So the big thing is that like you can do this PvP now. It used to be a thing that it existed and we explored it a little bit, but it was only uh, against the AI. And then something happened with the documentation. Our, our scripts quit working and we weren't sure why. Um, and then, yeah, somewhat recently, uh, Random Noob, as he is known in the Discord, came back. He's a Wise Wizards, Wise Wizard employee. And now the, uh, I think we talked about this on the pod even. But, um, yeah, so you can do PvP. It's really worth calling out. If you want to write your own custom scripts, you need to be on Steam. But if you want to play them, you do not need to be on Steam. I can send you a challenge with a custom script and you can play it on your Android or iOS device, which is amazing and awesome. So, um, yeah, there's like a way to favorite scripts. If anyone is like curious and interested in this, just hit us up on the discord. We can get you into it. But we did want to take a little bit of time to highlight a little bit yeah, of what exactly. the community has yeah. been up to with this so far. Yeah, so. good, good. Well, but this isn't a tutorial on how to use Lua. That's a separate thing that you're going to have to figure out on your, not on your own. It's available there and we're willing to help you and it's all for free online. This yeah. isn't the place we're going to talk about it though. It's, it's too technical for that. And plus you go to the discord code. and ask yeah. questions and we'll, we'll help you. Lua is not something you explain on an audio podcast. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, that's but, it's but it's something that we can highlight and talk about how people are using it. And that's what we're going to do. All right. Um, and we have some really cool things to highlight this week. The first thing I really want to shine a quick highlight on is from Warden Slayer, who put together yeah. this, really, this really fun Sparks and Recreation. Uh, I guess it's a character class. Set. It's a character class. Yeah, it's a, it's yeah a you're playing as... Class. 
Sparks, Sparks and Rec. You're <laughs> a level three Sparks and Rec. <laughs> which is hilarious. Um, Sam is actually a level seven Sparks and Rec right now. So he's he's progressing higher than the rest of us. But no. Um, so let me just talk a little bit about the this is it's kind of a fun it's kind of a parody joke thing he made i think and who knows who knows how he'll take it when he develops it but the skill for this character is bird walking Uh, (laughs) draw one card and reveal it if it's an action draw another card and keep talking for 10 minutes great stuff (laughs) he has an item which is a picture of a knight holding a sword and it's the blank to my blank which is kind of how i do perfect intros with with tim um, there is a congrats, you're a nerd action card, which is actually an ode to the Realms Rising podcast that we uh, added onto our outro. So shout out to Realms Rising. There's a Nostra Double Damas. Yeah. Uh, champion card, <laughs> which is awesome. Visions of Thandar. Oh, that's so great. Had to, Warden Slayer, you are the best, dude. Uh, he has a situational card. I would buy this over Tithe Priest, which is... A uh, and it's just your gold. <laughs> yeah, and you should never buy anything over Tithe Priest, so change that, please. And he also has a what-would-you-do action card. Uh, it's three damage or four healing, but if you have a street put, a street thug in play, you get to do both. How uh, fantastic is that? Oh, man, that's so great. Huge hat tip, yeah. Uh, this is the fun stuff. And by the way, it all has cards with cool artwork that he made or attached to it and uh i don't know it's just an awesome fun thing that you can do it'll be um, cool to see how he develops them. we found a hilarious bug i accepted with my small folk because i wanted the xp and the script doesn't like blank out your ancestries so i had hide and neither of us expected that hide would trigger so uh like he was about to kill me and i got hide and i think i came back and won that one Wow. Uh, even though like, yeah, being a small folk, you know, you wouldn't think it's part of that, but, uh, there's a lot. And that's another thing with this stuff though, is that there's some, uh, bug testing to be done that we'll, we'll chat about, you know, but it's, it's all part of the fun. Yes. Yeah. And that, that's the other thing too. Now, one of the things we're doing when we're highlighting this is not to say, Hey, here's the perfect polished new mode that you can play guys. No, it's a, it's a fun thing that people are developing in their own free time and having fun with. Yeah. Playing with each other and developing and kind of play testing and hopefully aiming for that day when you can have a really kind of solid, stable uh, player to add to add to the library. So, like the possibilities here, guys, are just endless. That said, segue. Friend of the pod, Arcanel, and <laughs> you may have noticed I'm I paused there and just to make sure I pronounce this correctly. I, I, he I have previously pronounced it Arcanel. Which isn't, mm. you know, in hindsight, it kennel is like in like a kennel. Like, yeah, yeah. Not, not a great I way to know. pronounce it. But I mean, yeah. he did it the way it's spelled. I mean, it's kennel is a very acceptable oh. way to read it. That, oh. All this aside, um, so he very politely he's like, "Hey, by the way, it's Arc Arcanel." <laughs> and I was like, "Okay, got it." But you know, don't get your hopes up here because you're asking this of a guy who rarely gets his own children's names correctly when, when, when I talk to him. So like, if I make a mistake here, forgive me. Uh, but I've gotten it right most of most, mostly so far. So Arcanel. Your kids are Arcanel. This one's too. <laughs> Maybe I should have renamed them. Yeah. Um, anyway, oh, Ar- Arcanel has created some just amazing uh, player kits here that he's been play testing and working on and uh, kind of workshopping. And I've been doing a little bit. I know double doves has, I know a lot of players have actually, which is really cool. Like he's play testing it quite a bit, I think. Um, and I'd like to just spend a little time talking about them. Now, 
he spent a lot of time on these and they're actually quite detailed. So it's going to take some time to actually go over them. Let's go one at a time. We actually might just focus on one character and episode here um, because they, they really do deserve a spotlight. And by the way, guys, anyone who hears this and wants to play against um, this, um, uh, these, these characters that are, are canal created, all you have to do is contact him. We, or send him, I bet you if you even send him just a random challenge, uh, and we'll put his IGN in the show notes, he will take that as a sign to send you a um, one of his custom scripts. So if you want to do that, and if you're not on Discord and you don't have a way to contact him, just send him a challenge, and maybe he'll send you one back with one of his custom ones. Of course, the best way and, is just to contact him on Discord. But Right. And once he you said have it was cool the to do script... This. Yeah, he oh, said sweet. he wants. He said he's totally wants people to play test. So, yeah, definitely send him challenges if you want to do this. If it sounds interesting, yeah. I think this is a good spot to call out. Once you have completed a game of the script, win or lose, uh, you can favorite it, and then you can send that as a challenge to other players. So, like, um, how do you if, favorite if, it? Once the game is complete, you go to your completed games where it says if you won or lost. And when you click where it says where you would normally go to watch your replay. And so like the thing comes up, it says watch replay or challenge to a rematch. Well, for these custom scripts, there's actually a third box that pops up and it says add to favorites. And then you can go to add that to your favorites. And then in the future, if you issue someone a challenge and in the game mode, you choose custom for your challenge type, then you go to my scripts or my favorites and then you can send that. So, again, if you have any questions, just reach out and we'll totally uh, help. At some point, maybe we'll like make some screenshots and put this stuff up on Realms Rising. But yeah, we should. But yeah, we're, we're not there on yet, Realms yeah. Rising content. <laughs> um, but you don't need beta. You don't need legendary accounts to access this. If you have the game, the base game, um, or if you've paid for the base game, right, you can access this. So if it sounds interesting, definitely hit us up. And I realize that you don't have to send a challenge necessarily to Arcanel. You could send them to send any one of to me. us. Send one to yeah. Jing. I, uh, I, I have all yeah. these scripts favored. I have the scripts too now. I just did it as we spoke, actually. I, did, I wasn't <laughs> sure how to favor it, but it's just like you said. You just go right in there and then the script and that's so cool basically and there's a way to propagate these scripts amongst players by just playing it right it's so awesome yeah because now if you send that to someone they can favorite it too once your game is done and so on so it can yeah now but here's the thing if he updates it it, does it automatically update for everybody or do you have to repop propagate the new update i have no idea but i think it does i think he rewrites it at his level and it flows through but i'm not so cool yeah and we'll Hopefully see how, how this all works. But again, this is all new stuff that's being added to the game. Really exciting. And guys, these characters that Arcanella created <laughs> are just so much fun. Um, all right. So let's talk about enough to enough. Um, uh, what's the word that I don't, you can tell uh foreplay. Yeah. You asked what my wife would be like, <laughs> wow. of course you don't know the word foreplay. <laughs> I outed myself there, guys. Good God. I'm not going to edit that either because that's hilarious. All right. Um, let's talk about our canals. I think I need a minute. First character. Yeah. The demonologist, guys. I'm going to keep pushing through while, while um, Double Dose is flustered here. Yeah, okay, I'm back. I got okay, it together. All right. 
let's talk about the demonologist. All right, I'm gonna I'll talk about the uh, overview dubs, and you can talk about the starting cards. Um, okay. The the demonologist is all about summoning demons to do your bidding. You start your starting deck includes three minor demons and your skill, but you spend two gold. And it lets you summon one of those three random demons into play directly. Um, these summon demons self-sacrifice when they leave play. So they basically, they're like tokens that come in and out of play. They don't go into your actual deck. Um, each demon alone is pretty weak, but if you're able to keep all of them out on the board, they can soon become a real problem for your opponent. To help you do this, the other card in your starting deck is a shadow gem, which gives you the ability of either taking two gold for buying stuff or you can pay one life to boost one of your defense uh, demons defenses by two so it's kind of like the cleric's uh, breastplate but a little bit different right um and of course buying any guards even cheap ones from the market can be a good way to protect your uh, your demons as well right so you have these demons that you're summoning into play to use against your opponent uh, the ability for the demon demonologist is demonic pact gives you a huge nine damage, even more than the fighter uh, at level three. By the way, this is a level three design, and I think if he goes through with it, he'll keep leveling it up. But um, the nine damage comes with a uh, caveat, though it does four damage to yourself. So you do nine to your opponent, but four to yourself. That's the overview of the um, demonologist. Do you want to talk about what the deck looks like? Yeah, so here's the exact starting cards. You get five gold, one ruby, one shadow gem, which I just have to say from like a flavor perspective, I love the play off of fire gem there. This doesn't have a scrap ability like a fire gem would, but I love the idea of like there being these different types of gems in the world. So uh, shout out to you, Arknell, on that one. I like that. We've got one of our first. So he mentioned the the demons that you can summon using your skill and that you also have some demons in your starting deck. And there's three of them. So here's the first one. It's Void Guard Champion. It's a two defense guard that provides one combat. Uh, we've got the Lesser Devourer. It's a champion. It's a two defense guard. No damage, but each turn you can pay one life to increase its defense by one until it leaves play. And then um, the Shadow Feeder, which is a one defense non-guard, it adds one combat. And if you have another demon minion in play, two more combat for a total of three. So that Shadow Feeder can hide behind your other guards. Um, mm. The ability and skill you already went over, but there's actually uh, three different demons that are summoned. And I think that uh, these are all non-guards the ones that you summon so yeah, i like that he made two of these guards in the deck and i like that he included some ways of making the guards a little tougher and then also you can be buying guards off the market um, to kind of help your demon army grow so i'll go over the ones that can be summoned via the skill really quick there's the fell hound it's a one defense non-guard that gives two combat the Demonic Leech, uh, not listed stats here. I don't have it pulled up, but opponent loses one life and Leech gains one shield or defense until it leaves play. So that's probably actually a guard now that I think about it. And then Succubus, a one defense non-guard. Opponent's champions all lose one defense until end of turn. So 
yeah, that's pretty sweet. Uh, we have a little bit of a note at the end there of what Arknell <coughs> is intending this to go. My intention for the skill ultimately is that if you have kept one of the summon demons in play, using the summon skill again won't summon a copy of that demon. And if you manage to get all three out and keep them there, future uses of the skill will give you raw damage or some other effect to be decided. However, my current coding capabilities cannot comprehend the creation of such curious constructs. Yeah. So, so he's learning on the really fly. Really awesome. I understand. But like, and if you play this, it feel it's, it plays really well. There's no bugs or anything like that. It plays really smooth. It's so much fun. Um, I love this, uh, and I forget what the necro. I know there's a necromancer ancestry, and I don't know exactly. Or, or, or is that a class? Yeah, necromancer is a class that's coming. It's a class. Yeah, and and I don't know. I'm sure there's going to be zombies involved, but I love the idea of summoning demons as your skill. Like, how cool is that? Um, yeah. I was joking with with Aaron that you know this is what the druid should play like. Like the druid should be summoning. Uh, woodland creatures that can just be repeatable little creatures that come out to your play. You don't have to rely on cards for them. Like this is what now. And I joked, That's I was cool like, you should, you should, you should uh, sell your idea to wise wizards and have them paste on the, the <laughs> druid to this. But to be honest, I love the theme of the, of the demonologist even better. The artwork looks really cool. And just the idea of like little, <clears throat> little demons warping into your, uh, to your battle area to, to, to fight with you is so cool. Um, it's a fun class to play. And I, it, 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 it's cool because it gives you ideas for, or it gives you different decision points on what to do, how to, uh, either protect your demons or use them just as fodder. You can use your ability to, um, uh, or like you can choose to spend your own health to beef up your, your guards or, or your, uh, demons a little bit, et cetera, et cetera. I like play styles that offer different choices and like, uh, your choices impact different ways that the game can go. The wizard is really great at this. Some characters aren't right. They kind of play on rails where there's like one optimal way to play. And that's how you go. And it seems sure. like this is a, this is a, it has potential to go in a lot of really different direct directions, which I really like. Wait, you played with this as well. Double does. What are your impressions? I think that it's good to like um, kind of rein in your expectations that this is currently being balanced as like a level three class, right? Like, you right. may find the power to be underwhelming if you're looking at this through the lens of a level 14 character. Mm -hmm. So, you know, definitely adjust your expectations if you do give this one a whirl. Um, but yeah, I had a lot of fun trying to get out like my demon army. <laughs> I felt so like cool. I was, you know, the trying to use my there, skill. Right? Yeah, yep. you're, you're, you're right. It's level three, but like you can tell the feel of the characters there. Like it feels like a like a summoner, a demonologist. It feels like you're doing what what, it, what it's accomplished, what, what the theme is, says it's doing, which is. What, what do you think about the ability? Like thematically, you're getting a lot of damage for a little health, but that doesn't seem like the, the damage isn't fully on the game plan of what the demonologist is doing but it's still good to have that reach you think or would, would you like to see something else for that ability maybe i'd like to see something else there i think he might have even mentioned that it's kind of like a placeholder ability at this point yeah <laughs> uh, or maybe it isn't but i mean I, by the way it's not bad i think it's fine and the it's other fine, stuff the, yeah yeah 
I think that um, abilities in general are extremely class defining. Like you think about Ranger's headshot or snapshot, Wizard's fireball, and like uh, the thief's smooth heist or regular heist. Like they're very like pivotal things about the class. The and polar so bear six six champion. <laughs> You had to do it, didn't you? <laughs> um, so anyways, uh, uh, druid nerfs aside, I think that with these uh, starting out classes that people are designing, the custom ones, we've seen a lot of like pretty straightforward abilities. Like they, you, your opponent discards two cards or you know different things like that. So I'm looking forward to as people's, uh, coding abilities improve and we all like collaborate together and get better at this seeing like some really interesting abilities come to light because that's got to be the trickiest and very intimidating part as like a newer coding person i think we gotta you know these people are like do they're they're new at this pioneers. they're learning they're, pioneers. they're doing it for fun yeah so you gotta like take all that into account and stuff like that so um, these ideas really are so creative though. Like they're, yeah. they're such fresh ways. It's like finding it's getting, it's literally like getting new players to, or new uh, characters to play the game with, you know, it's totally, it's like totally. So much and fun. like, yeah. So the truly it's a cliche phrase, but we're just at the tip of the iceberg here and uh, can't wait to see what happens next. Yeah. And, and again, this is all being developed. If you're interested in doing it, reach out or just send challenges and we'll respond by if any random challenge I get from now on, I'm just going to send <laughs> one of these, one of these, uh, the character challenges to us, okay. all right. Um, I think that's good for this round. Now I got uh, one more thing go, before yeah. we get out of the custom Lua stuff, which is that, uh, I just checked in the app right now, got a custom class challenge from, Filtrophobe. He's got a shaman that oh, nice. he's uh, ready to roll with. So it'll be very interesting. I, I I don't think we'll do the full breakdown here. We'll maybe save it for later, but it yeah, appears we'll to him. be action oriented. It's focused on actions, which is interesting. I love cool. me some action. I love, I love, I know you do. You're going to like this yeah. one. <laughs> yeah. You, um, yeah. Oh, and by the way, guys, this is, we're, we're coming back to this. This is going to be a re, uh, re, repeating segment. Uh, Arcanel has at least three other characters um, that we're going to go over, give him the same treatment that we gave the demonologist. He's got an apothecary. He's got a pyromancer and he's got a cryomancer. Yeah. Uh, and he, I know he has some ideas for other ones in the well, uh, in, in the works as well. So uh, we'll be going over these. Filtro sounds like he's got one in the works as well. Would you say it was a, uh, Shaman. 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 You say shaman, I say shaman. Um, I say shaman. And then we also have you, yeah, go ahead. Uh, the witch and the paladin. That paladin also, from, paladin yeah. from I think our Tim own did the paladin. Agency 13, yeah. And, and user, user cafe, cafe did the witch. The witch, yeah. So we're getting like this growing. And the other thing, cool thing too, is like once you get these characters built, other players or other people will be able to look at them, see the coding for them, and use that as kind of templating. That's another way of learning how to do it is by looking at what other people have made, right? And totally. I think that's all available. And there's super. There's a really active channel on our Discord that uh, where you're talking and helping each other out and shooting ideas back and forth. So if you're into this sort of thing, and again, not everybody is, check it out. Even if you're not, if you don't want to make your own, but you want to test them out and play and try out these cool new characters reach out. It's definitely worth the time. Okay, guys, um, that's enough for this 
installment of our <laughs> uh, still unnamed Lua segment, uh, but let's right. keep rolling on. Um, heading next into Card Duel. This is my boomstick! Dun, dun, dun. Card Duel. Today in the ring, we're featuring Command versus Treasure Hunt. Uh, it's just two cards. We'll keep it quick here. And since one of these is in the beta, I think reading them is fine. Command, we all know and love. Five cost to purchase off the market. Imperial action. It will draw you one card, give you two gold, give you three combat, and give you four health. One, two, three, four, five. Doesn't get much better than that, or does it? Humphrey Jewels. Five cost guild action. Acquire a fire gem for free and put it into your hand. Draw one. If you have a guild card, it factions to acquire a fire gem for free and put it into your hand. So Humphrey Jewels can get you two fire gems and a draw to hand. So I turn it over to you. Jigmalingpa, what um, is better, Command or Humphrey Jewels? Well, you forgot something on Command. You said it, it costs five, it gives you two gold, three damage, uh, you draw a card, and it heals for four. It also makes you feel pretty damn awesome, buddy. That, that's it does. probably the most important aspect of Command, is how it makes you feel when you play it, and when you buy it, actually. Not only is buying Command really just like a proud moment when you're playing it's double edged because you have prevented your opponent from getting it as well it's i was just you, gonna say when when your opponent buys command against you that is demoralizing hugely uh yeah. i'm still gonna give the slight edge to command now please Ooh. do not take this as a as an insult against hunt for the family jewels they are <laughs> uh no they, it's a great card um it's one of it's. I don't want to say it's the second best five cost card, but it's up there. It's in the discussion, anyways. I mean, you can always say Wolf Form and some of these other ones, but uh, holy mackerel, is it a good card? Um, it's basically if you're and you're going to want to go into guild if you get it. It's basically f draw a card, four damage, or I'm sorry, four gold and six damage if you're factioning it, which is insane in the membrane. Uh, they're right. both good cards. I still like command though. How about you, Dubs? Yeah, I mean, so you kind of, for me, obviously, like the row and the context, you got to weigh that all in. But as we find ourselves in this vacuum, I'm compelled to compare the floor of Humphrey Jewels with the floor of Command. And, uh, you know, Command comes out just a little bit on top there since it is the four health that it gets you. One thing worth mentioning about Humphrey Jewels, though, is that, like, if you're playing it early and it is an expensive board, you might just keep that Fire Gem around. Um, it doesn't happen that often. I feel like usually when I have Humphrey Jewels, I'm punting the Fire Gems. But that's yeah. a, a, a nice damage. little upside. I mean, if, yeah, yeah. if nothing else for the awesome damage you get from them, right? Yeah, because I guess Humphrey Jewels is not nearly as comparable to Command if you're not uh, kicking the damage. But you do get that utility there of is the Fire Gem in my deck early on 
better than getting this damage. And that works nicely. Like anytime you have modality on a card, you're able and you're a skilled player, you're able to leverage that to your advantage. So like a Humphrey Jewels with that modality of developing your economy early on or focusing on damage later. You know, I like that a lot about it and I think is worth calling out. But just as like uh, what's the the better card to buy, you know, uh, on like a, a flat power level or whatever, I, I think I would go command two. But it, it's really close and there's a lot of board states where Hunt for Jewels would be the right answer, I think. Yeah. I mean, I know in past episodes, especially before the Dungeons and Call to Arms stuff came out, Tim would make the argument, and I agreed with him, that command is probably the best card of the game. Pound for pound, I mean, cost performance-wise. I mean, I'm not yeah. saying it's better than uh, Domination or whatever, but for cost, per- what you pay for it, what you get out of it. Right. It's right up there at the top, So, in my opinion. And, so of course, you can, you can come up with situations and other cards that are probably higher, but overall, Command is in, in the discussion, right? But Hunt for Jewels is in the – I mean, we're literally having that discussion right now, So, which means it's good, right? We wouldn't have put Hunt for Jewels up against Command, if it wasn't. So just the fact that we're having this discussion, I think says something. That's interesting Uh, though. Like is that's a question for maybe the audience that I'd love to get some discussion on, like pound for pound, as it were, what is like the best card at its cost, you know, factored in it's, it's kind of abstract. So there's no like objective way to do that. I don't think, but what is the, the pound for there's pound? There's some ways you can do it. Yeah, card but, yeah, yeah. There's the some game. ways you can do it, but I mean, yeah. like you and can add why is a command. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah like you, you could can like assign... add things up and divide and assign values and yeah, yeah but for yeah. sure. No, I get, I get what you're saying. Yeah. Anyway, this is good stuff. Yeah. You know, maybe in the future we could do just like, um, what would you do? Maybe we should do card duel votes as well, where we just have the uh, the people vote. In fact, why not? Right after this, I will yeah. post the pictures and just have people vote for it. Why not? I, f- I feel I feel uh, frisky today for trying new things. <laughs> um, okay, um, I think that's good for card duel. Let's keep them on, guys. We're heading into uh, we're we're turning on the cabin attendants are turning on the uh, seatbelt signs. We're going to head into our descent. But we're not done yet, guys. We still got some more content. So stick around. Next, we're going to hit Community Roundup. All right, everybody. When you hear that music, you know we are here in the Community Roundup. We have been away for three weeks, so we do have some things to catch up on. That said, we're not going to go over like an exhaustive list of every single active community event. Rather, we'll just talk about uh, things that are going on, maybe some active signups, if there are any right now. There might not even be. Actually, I don't know. And uh, hopefully, Double Dubs, you do know. And uh, (laughs) we'll talk about some recent uh, results as well in a few of the events that have finished. All right. So... um, I'll get started, Double Dubs, and I'll give you a chance to get your get your stuff ready, hopefully. Um, okay. I'll start out with King of the Castles, which is going on strong. Our own King Double Dubs is holding on to his um, throne in Castle B. He uh, dethroned Philtrophobe, which was no easy task. He was coming up on a good run there, too. I think he had at least four or five wins, I think. 
Um, yeah, and I think the big thing was he knocked out, uh, I think, DeCat, who was on a big run and was threatening Noodles' overall record. <laughs> I think, yeah, DeCat was at like seven, game. maybe. Or he was getting close yeah. to 10, yeah. And then Filter got him, and now you got him. So this is kind of how Kings goes, by the way. Uh, he has only lost two defenders in his two challenges, which is pretty good. Then we have Corey Bear. He, he is sitting at three uh, victories. Um, and he has lost five defect, uh, defenders. He's maybe not fighting as efficiently as Double Dubs, but he is still putting down all of the challengers left and right. So uh, Kings of the Castle, hail to the Kings, runs around, uh, is running along smoothly. If you're interested in checking it out, the sign-ups link is in the show notes. It's a, a constantly going uh, event, always open for sign-ups. Anyone's uh, welcome to join. It's a cool way. Uh, to play i will say the competition is pretty stiff looking at the uh challenger queue so if you want to go yeah. up against some good players <laughs> uh, you are more than that's welcome brutal okay uh, moving on i'm going to talk about some of the level 14 uh events that have completed we're almost done with most of them i think um, i'm just going to go over a few of them now uh first of all we have the ascension to heaven cleric invitational um, this is actually wrapped up. The final uh, championship was decided by Rucksack. He took down Rip 3-1. to one. Rip has been playing really well in these events lately. Shout out to him. Brown's mat medal match between our own Double Dubs and User Cafe. It looks like it's still undecided, Double Dubs. Are you playing this one out? Uh, we have not started that one. <laughs> I don't know if we're going to or not. I guess we probably should uh, uh, determine a winner for third yeah, place. Finish but... it out. Yeah, finish it out. Yeah. It's nice to get that third place one. I, you know, I cannot say anything because very recently, and by recently I mean like within the last few days, uh, I just finished my bronze uh, medal match with Rip in the Druid Invitational. Um, nice. DeCantis Meow and Noodle faced off in the finals there with the Cats winning three to one. Congrats to those two and DeCants for winning that. Uh, and congrats to myself for defeating Rip in the bronze medal match. <laughs> did, did you know I had DeCat on stream and he gave a full breakdown of the replay of that match against Noodle? No. Was it a good one? I, yeah, I had him on for like, it was two hours with me and Alex. Of course it was wow. a good one. Nice, that's great. <laughs> it's so funny. He's he's a uh, he's one of the best players we have. So it's great to listen to his thought processes while he plays. Yeah, it was um, fun. Uh, just a quick note about the my mat match with Rip. He was actually playing an off meta version using the Ursine Rod, and uh, still almost beat me. He scared the crap out of me actually uh, in the last <laughs> game. But uh, I was I got wow. He, if you. Yeah, if that Ursine rod gets lucky or can withstand a storm and line a few things up, it can actually work well. So it's it interesting to play against that. Good games, Rip. Um, we also have the Barbarians uh, called arms. I think this one finished a while ago, but I'll just say it anyway. It's Noodle, Tupe, and DeCatzes faced off again in this one. DeCatzes is winning this as well. He's also been on a roll. Congrats to him. Logan Stewart took third place over Meowgan in the bronze medal match there. Um, I know that uh, Warden Slayer is going to continue these fighter events going. Um, so, and I believe the one I just talked about was the second one. The first one was DeCatzes versus Agency 13 in the finals, which DeCatzes also won. So he's been just rolling wow. with the fighter. Yeah, um, he's back. 
Um, I think Warden plans to keep doing, he really loves running these fighter uh, only opens. And I think he's doing like a kind of a season type progression thing. So if you're interested in fighter play, definitely check out the uh, community events links that we have. All right. And I think, yeah, I was going to say Decat took over the barbarian one, I think. So you can sign up to play the barbarian one as well. And I actually want to go over a quick run through of what all can be signed up for right now. Because it is a pretty good list, actually. So um, we've got uh, the Survivor uh, event uh, run by Decatz's Meow. Very interesting, like, weekly events. And you have, like, a set of your five original characters. And they get eliminated down. The requirements for signing up for that one, you have to have the base game and the Call to Arms expansion. But you do not uh, have to have beta access. So that's cool. Um, you can sign up for the Barbarian Fighter event. We've got Whose Turn Is It Anyways run by Bork. And the purpose of that one is if you don't have beta access, you can get paired up against someone who does have beta access. And they're, they've kind of switched that one up a little bit. You just have to check online. But really the idea there is it's very casual and it's for fun and it's just for playing against the Dungeons cards. Um, Max Overdrive 3 run by Meowgan is available for signups. The um, Hero Realms Premiere Circuit run by Darklighter. Uh, there's two events that you can no longer sign up for, the Fighter and Cleric events. But if you keep an eye out and act quickly, you should be able to sign up for the Ranger, uh, Thief, and Wizard one still if you want to play that. And then, Jake, as you mentioned, there's King of the Castle. So six events currently that you could sign up for if you if you wanted to. What a time to be alive, guys. What a time to be alive. <laughs> For sure. I have to, uh, in this announcement of uh, updates and results and community events and stuff, have to say that I've been on the wrong end of some rucksack beatings lately. Mm. He has kept me out of the finals, meaning I encountered him in the semifinals in the following events. Uh, Max Overdrive 2. Uh, I think it was Dungeons Quickfire 3. And the Cleric Invitational. I was in the semifinals playing for a spot in the finals. And all three of those, he beat me in every single GD one of them. And I played him in Tavern Brawl and he beat me 3-0. And I was like, this is ridiculous. And I sent him another three challenges for fun. He beat me 3-0 again. So I am on an absolute dumpster fire against Rucksack right now. It's very depressing. It's all better about like three weeks you know so uh it's good though if you want to get better at the game you got to play against people uh who are really good at it so it's so true it's one it's one thing just to spam new a new game in the queue it's a quite another to face off against these uh competitors and the community events so if you want to level up your game just play a higher level of competition could not recommend it more by the way the we have a um active page Thanks to Double Doves for keeping it updated. That lists the currently uh, uh, accepting sign-up events and currently running events, and just like a, a also a list of other dormant or running uh, events that are going on as well. It's all together in one page. It's a great place to see what we have going and find links and rules and signups and everything for them. The link is in the show notes, guys. Check it out. Um, I th- are we good with a community roundup TCL? Uh, what's going on with TCL? Any updates on that? 
Oh, it's cruising along. We're on like week three or four. It's just kind of business as usual. Agency 13's bot is working great. We haven't seen any issues there. People are reporting so matches awesome. and uh, yeah, it's going good. All right. Um, cool, guys. Well, you know the routine. If you have any interest in uh, any of these things, you know where to find the links. Could not recommend it more. You'll will love it if you try it. Even if it, you're a little timid or worried about fighting against some really good players, don't worry about it. They're super friendly. There's, it's a great way to improve your game and have fun at the same time. So check it out. Okay, guys, that wraps up Community Roundup. Double dubs, here we are. We are we hit the two hour mark. And you know, Epic. oftentimes when we're recording this, there's a lot of uh there's some dead time and dead weight. We've basically been going straight through. There's not this is gonna be like a two hour episode. I'm I don't plan wow. on cutting out too much. But you know what? Our fans deserve it, buddy. Uh <laughs> it's 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 been three weeks. We we've we've been weaning them off of the uh the sparks and wreck teat for a little while now it's time to give them a big glass of milk and <laughs> wow. um, let them enjoy sorry if i got a little but, I hope they do. There, but yeah <laughs> get a little punch a little punch drunk here an hour or two um here we are in the outro and you know it's it's just the two of us today uh we we have time and i wanted to try something here you know i i'm i'm a fan of banter i'm a fan of bird walking as you know um we have a wide variety of different interests. We have real lives that happen on in the background. We talk a lot about this, you know, off, uh, not offline because it's all online, but I mean, outside of the podcast and outside of the you know, discord server. Um, but I thought it'd be a cool place to talk about some of our, um, taps or scraps here in the outro. Now what's a tap or scrap guys. You might ask, well, if you either tap it or you scrap it, should be right, right. self-explanatory. If it's a card game, you tap it to use it. And if you scrap it, you, um, you get rid of it. Get it out of it's, here. Uh, there's other ways to um, utilize these words as well that we won't talk about. But tap or scrap is pretty good. By the way, this is a an, an, uh, hat tip to props or slops, which was a uh, segment on the White Book podcast that I used to listen to a long time ago. So props to them. Basically, we're just going to say something we like and something we didn't like, or something that impressed us, or something that didn't impress us so much. All right, so all right, my first my first tap. I'm just going to give it up for a movie I saw recently called The Pope's Exorcist. Um, full uh, disclosure: the one of the executive producers is a high school buddy of mine, an old classmate from high school. Ah, I probably would not have watched this movie otherwise. I'm not a big horror movie guy. I don't hate it. Don't really like it. Uh, but, um, me neither. I don't usually seek out horror. Like if someone wants to watch it or they say it's good, like I'll check it out, but I don't generally seek it out myself. Yeah. And like going to a theater and having shit jump scare me for 90 minutes. Isn't like my idea of fun per se. Right. Right. That said, this is not a jump scare movie. It's like a, it's kind of like an old classic, uh, adventure buddy cop movie. Except with oh. instead of cops, you have exorcists <laughs> who are fighting demons uh, in throughout Europe, and Russell Crowe is um, you know blooming into a, into a fuller figure in his uh, later later stages of his career, uh, and he rides around on a moped, uh, this awesome little white and red moped throughout Rome and throughout uh, 
Europe on his adventures. And it just has this aesthetic to it. And it's get, there's a lot of like, it's like tango and cash. You know, there's a lot of one-liners. There's a, there's a lot of uh, back and forth jokes, you know, instead of throwing guns to each other to shoot the bad guys, they're throwing a crucifix or a, or, you know, some sort of artifact that they can use to fight the, uh, the demons and stuff. It's a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. It's like a fun adventure horror movie without jump scares and like really gruesome stuff. Really enjoyed it. So I went in there as quite kind of like an ode to an old friend and walked out like, wow, that was a lot of fun. And I could, they're talking about sequels already for it. So uh, wow. I'm, a, I'm okay. all in on the Pope's exorcist. It's a, it's a lot of fun. Uh, if it's not quite your cup of tea, don't, I mean, you don't have to blow your money on the theater or, or buy the digital version. It'll be on Netflix or whatever, you know, yeah. weeks or a month or two. So hey, if you'd see it, if you can watch it for free or in one of your services, though, highly recommend it. That's my tap of the week, buddy. Nice. Uh, so I have a quick question though. Like what does an executive producer do? Are they just bankrolling the thing or what? Like, I'm not even no, sure. So he, what d- that means. They, they do different things. He also actually got a, um, a story writing credit as well. He went to, okay. I guess this happens a lot too. If they're like involved in the story writing, um, they might not get like a full credit or they might have to go to arbitration to see where they get on it. But he got, so he's actually, a, his name is Jeff Katz, by the way. Shout out Jeff. Uh, he has executive producer and um, the uh, screenplay credit. So he actually has two credits and not just on like the rolling mini credits you see at the bottom. They're on, he's on the splash credits. Yeah. With the, big, that, with the art stuff. So yeah. it's pretty cool to see. Okay. Uh, and, and not like that's, Hey, um, I went to high school with one of the executive producers <laughs> to go see the movie guys. If it wasn't enjoyable, I wouldn't even be talking about it, but uh, right. I, yeah, I really enjoyed it. So that's my tab. Okay, um, can I do a tap segue off of that, or are you going to do your scrap first? No, no, you, you let's do your taps. Okay, so my tap is similar because it's movie-related, which is the rewatchables. Mm-hmm. I have gotten into that podcast thanks to you, Jig. Um, I've been listening to it a lot. We, <laughs> I like... You randomly got me to watch Con Air the other day. <laughs> so I like watched it in its entirety, which was kind you of can funny. Thank me, again. thank me again while you're at it because. Yeah. Uh, so oh, no, thanks okay, for okay. that. <laughs> <laughs> Con, Air. Con Air, guys, by the way, if you have not seen it or if you haven't seen it in a couple decades, you owe yourself a, a rewatch. It's a, it's a classic it an, 90s oh, yeah. cage. It is. Yeah. It's very good. Um, and then you linked me the rewatchables episode for Con Air. And then I listened to that. I liked it. And so now it's kind of, there's just so much content there that it's it's been kind of my go-to if I'm like doing chores or I like did a bunch of yard work, uh, you know, this weekend. And so, yeah, I just had the earbuds in and was, was listening to the rewatch. It's fun. You know, it's fun to watch a movie and then like listen to people talk about it and joke around about it and think, talk about things they right. notice. And it's not and just like good say. things. It's making fun of the things that haven't aged well. They do a bunch of cool stuff yeah. with it. Yeah, but, yeah, That's what fun. the podcast is. They're like talking about movies that they consider to be rewatchable. Right. And they kind of break it down and they have like different awards that they make up for it, you know, so they're like the such and such award for what hasn't aged well or what has and different stuff. They do like an Apex Mountain Award for something that's like peaked at that time. So it's cool if you like movies, check them out and see if they've done some of your favorite movies. Chances are they have and that you'll get a kick out of their podcast. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Nice tap. Nice. Nice job there, bud. Um, all right, I got a scrap. I, I, you know, I'm not typically not too negative, so I had to really think. I was like, man, I don't really have anything to scrap. But 
I did, there is a case of disappointment that I'll talk about. This is my scrap of the week. Um, I read on um, some news aggregate, I forget where it was, about some promising semiconductor research, or sorry, superconductor research um, for materials, lead-based materials that would work at room temperature and uh, normal pressures, which basically means if we can find superconductors that operate under normal room temperature conditions, it opens up uh, endless possibilities for how we can uh, conduct electrical grids, how we can utilize different uh, uh, technologies like maglev or uh, hoverboards or you know crazy crazy stuff, flying cars and stuff like that. All of this stuff becomes feasible if we have easily replicable superconductors that work at room temperature. There was a study published that, oh my God, we might have found it. And there's ways to replicate it uh, that were published or like leaked or something like that. It, cre- it created this kind of uh, interesting uh, hiccup where everyone stopped and looked at it and said, oh my God, is this going to change the world? Uh, a few days later, it seems like um, if it seems too good to be true, it probably is. It looks right. like a lot of the... Uh, it. it the, the authors of the paper said it was leaked early. They didn't want to publish it. It was leaked. There's a lot of strange or messy math in it. It still needs to be peer-reviewed, et cetera, et cetera. So long story short, hoverboards might still be a ways off, guys. And that mm. – so I got my hopes up for hoverboards. Well, that's uh, a scrap and, for sure. And, and it was scraps. So yeah, that's my scrap of the week. But you got, you got any scraps the, yourself? The, the biggest tap of all time, if it turns out to be true, though, like <laughs> it would literally <laughs> change like, everything. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We like say cold fusion, cold there. fusion, and room temperature superconductors would basically solve you know many of hum- of, of our problems. Yeah. Interesting. But anyway, yeah. So I'm going to go a little uh, less impactful on the sociological spectrum. <laughs> And talk about a sports scrap, which Ooh. is that uh, I'm here in Minnesota, big fan of the Minnesota Vikings, looking forward to this upcoming season and mm-hmm. how it's going to go. Our star rookie wideout that they just drafted got busted for going 140 miles per hour in a 55. One and it's just 140 in his Lambo when what you want to see is 140 yards at Lambo. <laughs> oh, nice. Very done. disappointing. Uh, and it just kind of like speaks to his character, you know, and like maybe he'll still play good. He's young and he can learn from this maybe, but like just like is the sort of person that would do that sort of thing and put all those lives in jeopardy and make such a terrible choice uh, as that's the sort of person you want to be cheering for on your football team. Kind of not really for me, but we'll see if he grows and changes from it. But that was a scrap for me from this week. That's a big scrap for sure. Yeah, one forty and a fifty-five is. There's yeah, just no excuse for it. He yeah. he later said like his dog was having an emergency. Like, don't even bring that up, man. That is like the sh- like that is like you just making yourself look I mean, worse. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a terrible excuse. Sorry. That's great. Well, my only counter to that is my football scrap is the Detroit Lions in general. I've been a fan of for my whole life. Maybe this year they'll give me a hope. Yeah. That's what I tell myself every year, but we'll see. see. All right, man. Well, taps or scraps. We'll see how it goes. You know, the other thing too, we have to worry about is when we get to the end of the recording, everyone's a little tired and punch, punch drunk. It might be difficult to pull off, but we'll see how it goes. We'll see how you guys react to it. Uh, Our listeners 
And if you want more, we can give you some more taps and scraps. If not, we'll just go back to the uh, to cheese bags. Uh, speaking, <laughs> speaking of which, my friend, uh, I'm going to roll it out here. What a great um, – good to be back in the saddle, bud. The uh, dynamic duo, Double Dubs and Jig, you could oh, say sure. we're, we're, we're the B team, but, you know, I, I don't buy it. I, I think we're the dynamic duo. We're, we're, we pulled off a nice uh, two-hour-plus episode here. It's good to be back. Nice mm-hmm. contest design. Once again, congratulations to our winner. Uh, I can't remember the name off the top of my head. I think it was Greg. Um, it's Greg Moga. Once again, Greg congrats Moga. to Greg Moga. You have won. I'm going to send you an email. You better respond in a week. Otherwise, another <laughs> one of our listeners is going to be very happy. Uh, thanks again, everybody. We will see. Uh, it's been three weeks. We've been busy. Hopefully, though, we'll be able to get to a semi-normal uh, schedule in August and get you a couple episodes out. So never fear. We will be back with more guys. Uh, double double dubs. Take us home, bud. Yeah. All right, everybody. I am Double Dubs here with Jig Malinkpus signing off for the evening. This has been a very fun pod. Thanks for hanging out and doing it here. We hope everyone enjoys. Give us feedback on the Discord of uh, what you liked, didn't like, agreed with, anything like that. Excited to see where the Lewis scripting goes and all that. I do have my 50th stream celebration Mm. coming up this upcoming Wednesday. So if this uh, Mm. comes out and you listen to it right away, (laughs) you can still tune in or maybe even just check out the VOD, but it should be a fun one. Uh, We'll see what we have in store for stream number 50 twitch.tv slash double dubs, 8 30 PM central on Wednesday, double dubs signing off for the evening. Catch y'all later. show congratulations you're a nerd tune into the next episode of sparks and recreation for more on community events meta-analysis and everything hero realms